الحمد لله رب العالمين له الحمد الحسن والثناء الجميل وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن سيدنا ونبينا محمد صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه والتابعين لهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد وإن شرح في كتاب الورقات written by أبي معالي الجويني رحمه الله نعم بسم الله والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله قال المصنف رحمه الله والأمر استدعى الفعل بالقول ممن هو دونه على سبيل الوجوب وصيغته افعل وهي عند الإطلاق والتجرد عن القرينة تحمل عليه إلا ما دل الدليل على أن المراد منه الندم أو الإباحة ولا يقتد التكرار على الصحيح إلا ما دل الدليل على قصد التكرار ولا يقتد الفور والأمر بإيجاد الفعل, الفعل أمر به وبما لا يتم الفعل إلا به كالأمر بالصلاة أمر بالطهارة المؤدية إليها وإذا فعل يخرج المأمور عن العهدة the author, rahimahullah, he goes now into al-amr. He goes into the concept of al-amr. And he says, al-amr istid'a'u al-fi'li bil-qawli bimman huwa dunahu ala sabili al-wujubi. Amr is four things. Amr is four things. To come with an action. You're being requested to come with an action. The second thing is by speech. So you're being requested to do a particular action. That's the first one. And the second is by speech. Number three is to someone who is lower than you. So it's the request to do something by speech to someone lower than you. And the fourth one is in a forceful manner. And that's what the author, rahimahullah, mentioned in the definition, if you look at it. Istida'u al-fi'li, to do an action, bil-qawli, number two, by speech, mimman huwa dunahu, to someone who's lower than you, ala sabili al-wujubi, in a forceful manner. What do I mean by someone who's lower than you? Like a parent telling his child, the child is lower than the parent. You see, a teacher telling his student, because the student is lower than the teacher. Okay? But, if... Um, you speak to Allah Azza wa Jalla, it becomes what? It becomes a dua. Like for example, when we say, Allahumma li, oh Allah, forgive me. Forgive me is a command. But the, the ulama don't call this an amr. They call it a dua. Why? Because it misses one of its four conditions, which is, it's not mimman huwa dunahu. You're lower than Allah. So you are asking the one higher than you, even though there is coming a form of a command, like in la yusamma amran. It's not called an amr. The reason is because it is not mimman dunahu. That's the definition. Okay? Then the author goes into the ways that it comes. The way that a fi'il comes. In what way does it occur? Wasiratuhu fa'al. One of the ways that it comes is if'al, do. In this way, if al, 
If you see the word if'al, it means um, it's an amr. Okay? It's a what? It's a amr. Like, for example, when Allah said, aqim salah if'al. Aqim salah Establish the prayer. It's a command. Because it comes in the form of if'al. Okay? That's a one type. Then the author, rahimullah, he mentioned after that, If the word if'al comes, and there's no external evidences that diverts it from the from it, then um, it is considered to be what? Obligatory. If a command, if al comes, and there's nothing external that diverts it, then it's considered to be obligatory. Okay? Aqim salah means establish the prayer. Uh, yeah, the women cannot hear it. Speak to Ahmed Johar, the one with the. Ahmed. The women cannot hear it. So the form if'al, without any external evidences interfering, by its default position, it shows obligation. What does it show? It shows obligation. Sometimes there can come other external evidences and the form was if'al, but it become, becomes what? Recommended or permissibility. It can become a what? For, like for example, Allah Taala said in the Quran, وَإِذَا حَلَلْتُمْ فَاسْطَادُوا When you go and you finish the state of ihram, فَاسْطَادُوا فَاسْطَادُوا is if'al. It came in the form of if'al. So it's a command. And because it's a command, it should show what? Obligation. But so does it mean that when a person leaves the state of ihram, he has to go and hunt? Because I say, وَإِذَا حَلَلْتُمْ When you finish umrah, uh, so when you finish hajj, حَلَلْتُمْ Hurum, ihram, the opposite of it's halal. You were in a state of ihram, now you're in a state of halal. Do you have to go and hunt? Wa halaltum fastadu. Somebody can say fastadu is an amr, and it shows obligation. We say that there's a qarina, there's a delil, an external evidence that shows us that it's permissibility, and the evidence for that is um, that it uh, it is. Is that there's a qa'idah according to the scholars, which is, if something was prohibited, something got prohibited, and then it got permitted after that with the form of if'al, or in a in a in an amr form. Then it goes back to what it used to be. So whether, if it used to be nadib, it goes back to nadib. If it's ibaha, it goes back to ibaha. So hunting before used to be what? Ibaha. It got prohibited for a period of time because this person is in a state of ihram. He was told, don't hunt. You're not allowed to hunt. You're not allowed to hunt. Because Allah says, وَحُرِّمَ عَلَيْكُمْ سَيْدُ الْبَرِّمَا دُمْتُمْ حُرُمًا They were prohibited from hunting whilst in the state of ihram. What happens here is the prohibition 
after if a command comes, that command doesn't make it obligatory. Rather, what it does, it brings it back to whatever it used to be. Okay? Another time is when it's sunnah, nadb, recommendation. And an example for that is, Sallu qabla al-maghribi, Sallu qabla al-maghribi, Sallu qabla al-maghribi, liman sha'a. The Prophet said, pray before Maghrib, Sunnah. Pray before Maghrib, Sunnah. Pray before Maghrib, Sunnah. Three times. This shows obligation. But then the Prophet said, Liman Sha'a. Liman Sha'a means whoever wants to. Then this shows it's not obligatory that it's what? Recommended. But by itself, Sallu Qabla al-Maghribi, Sallu Qabla al-Maghribi, Sallu Qabla al-Maghribi. Three times it shows obligation. It shows what? Obligation. That's what the author, Rahimullah, is talking about. Ijtenib is a prohibition, is it? Nahi. We're going to come to that. This is Amr. Another point that the author speaks about is what about if the Prophet commands us to do something? Does it show repetition? Does it mean I have to do it more than once? If the Quran or the Sunnah command us to do something, does it mean that we have to do it many times? The author is of the opinion, It doesn't show takrar. It doesn't. Because when the ayah came down, That it's obligatory upon the people to do hajj every, every year. I'm sorry, it's obligatory for the person to do hajj. That's a command. The Sahabi, he asked, he said, Every year, the Prophet went quiet and he never responded to him. And then the Sahabi repeated it again and he repeated it many times. And then the Prophet, وسلم, he said, um, that it's only once in a lifetime. If the command shows repetition, the Sahabi wouldn't have asked. Because he's an Arab, he knows. If the command shows repetition, that Hajj is obligatory upon the people, if that meant that every year we have to do Hajj, then the Sahabi would not have said, Afi kulli amin ya Rasulullah. He wouldn't have asked. The fact that he asked shows that according to the Arabs, that a command does not show repetition unless there's an evidence to show otherwise. So salah, for example, Allah says, وَأَقِيمُ salah, establish the prayer. That doesn't show that you have to pray five times a day. Okay? There are other external evidences that do. For example, أَقِيمُ الصَّلَاةَ طَرَفَيِّ النَّهَارِ وَزُولَفَ مِنَ اللَّيْلِ إِنَّ الْحَسَنَاتِ يُذْهِبْنَ السَّيِّعَاتِ the salah being connected here to the timing. Whenever this happens, the salah becomes obligatory. So this means repetition now. Uh, the Prophet saying pray five times a day. He mentioning five times a day, so repetition. Okay? Like in the commands that come in the Quran or the Sunnah, it's not, it doesn't show repetition according to the strongest opinion that the author mentioned. Okay, does it show hastiness if the sharia command us to do something does it mean we have to do it straight away can i take my time you have to do it straight away the scholars are of a couple of opinions the author says it doesn't show uh, it has to be done straight away like in any ways what we say is allah mentioned the quran hasten so if you look at the Quran and the Sunnah, we were commanded to hasten. Allah says, khayrat, states, hasten to the good. And the highest good is what? It's the obligation. 
The obligation is the highest form of good. So we have to hasten to it. Okay? Allah said about the righteous people, They used to hasten to the good. These are the points that the author, Rahimullah, mentioned. والأمر بإيجاب الفعل أمر به وبما لا يتم الفعل إلا به كالأمر بالصلاة أمر بالطهارة المؤدية إليها وإذا فعل يخرج المأمور عن الوحدات. What about if the Sharia commands you to do something? Does it also command you to do the thing that leads to the obligatory thing? For instance, I can't pray dhuhr without doing tahara. That's clear. I can't pray the salat al-dhuhri. Unless I do tahara, and I'm in a state of tahara. Does the tahara become obligatory? Yes, it does. Why? Because the obligatory cannot be done without it. And the qa'idah is, ما لا يتم الواجب إلا به فواجب. Whatever the obligatory act cannot be done without it, then it also becomes obligatory. Now. الذي يدخل في الأمر والنهي وما لا يدخل يدخل في خطاب الله تعالى المؤمنون والساهي والصبي والمجنون غير داخلين في الخطاب والكفار مخاطبون بفروع الشرائع وبما لا تصح إلا به وهو الإسلام لقوله تعالى ما سلككم في سقر قالوا لم نكن من المصلين The author رحمه الله um, He mentioned something that um, Who are the people who fall under the commands? When the Quran and the Sunnah command us to do something, who are the people that they're talking to? يَدْخُلُ فِي خِطَابِ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى الْمُؤْمِنُونَ It is talking to who? The believers. The first people, of course, Allah is talking to is the believers. That's one. وَالسَّاهِ وَالصَّبِي وَالْمَجْنُونَ غَيْرَ دَاخِلِينَ فِي الْخِطَابِ As for the one who is in a state of forgetfulness, he forgot. And the one who is uh, a child, and the one who is insane, they don't enter the, the, the awamir and the nawahi. The commandments and the prohibitions is not talking to them. It's not talking to the insane one, and it's also not talking to the child, and it's also not talking to the, uh, the one who's in a state of forgetfulness. Because the pen is lifted from all of those. Huh? Forgetfulness here means he forgot that particular act. For example, he forgot dhuhr. He's not... Un, uh, the um, um, command is not on him. It'll only apply on him the minute he remembers. Um, some of the scholars, they say like in the Majnoon, the one who's insane, but his insanity came from his own wrongdoings. Like for example, he took drugs. They say he's, he's, he's going to be punished for that. And every salah he misses is on his scale. Because he brought himself to insanity. He took substance that affected his brain. Okay. What about here? There's a big, long, ongoing discussion amongst the scholars, which is when Allah says, "Ya iladina amanu kutiba alikum musiyamu kama kutiba aladina min qablikum laalakum tatakun." When Allah Taala says that the fasting is obligatory, are the disbelievers also being spoken to here? Wa aqimu salat, establish the prayer. Is Allah also talking to the disbelievers? This is a long-going discussion amongst the usuliyin. They have a back and forth. The strongest opinion is, "Wal kufaru mukhatabuna bi furu' al-shari'ah." Of course, they are being addressed in the aqidah. They are being told to come into a tawheed. But the question is, are they also being addressed in the sub-branches of the religion? The superrogatory issues of the religion, are they also being spoken to? Can we say that for them as well? Or, establish the prayer, and give the zakat. Is that also talking to them as well? Are they in there as well? 
the strongest opinion is that they are. And the evidence is for that is Qawluhu Ta'ala, the statement of Allah, مَا سَلَكَكُمْ فِي سَقَرْ قَالُوا لَمْ نَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ وَلَمْ نَكُمْ نُطْعِمُ الْمُسْكِينَ وَكُنَّا نَخُوضُ مَعَ الْخَائِضِينَ وَكُنَّا نُكَذِّبُ بِيَوْمِ الدِّينَ حَتَّى أَتَانَ الْيَقِينَ When they come the day of judgment, the disbelievers, they will be asked, why are you guys in the hellfire for? What brought you to the hellfire? And their answer is, قَالُوا لَمْ نَكُمْ مِنَ الْمُصَلِّينَ We never used to pray. So the ayats that were saying that you have to pray is talking to them. So the disbelievers are also being spoken to in the what? فُرُوعُ الشَّرِيعَةِ In the sub-branches of the the religion and here now is a this issue is very important because it goes back to contemporary issues by the way it's applicable to real issues for instance there's a muslim who works in the western countries okay and he lives in a neighborhood where there's no muslims he's maybe the only muslim in the area he opens his restaurant in the month of ramadan and he sells his food but he's selling it to who non-muslims because they're not fasting. He's selling them food. And they eat it in his restaurant. Is that permissible? لا. Even the kuffar are not allowed to eat in Ramadan. So you're not allowed to sell to them as well. Do you see the, point? Do you see the discussion? Nah. Here's a question now. If the Sharia commands you to do something, does it mean that it's, op- it's prohibiting you from the opposite? And if the Sharia prohibits you from something, does that mean it's commanding you the opposite? This is an issue of contention amongst the scholars. The authors of the opinion that Al-Amru He is of the opinion that yes, if the Sharia tells you to do something, it's telling you not to do the opposite. We're all together. I'll give you an example. If I tell you sit down, does it mean I'm telling you not to stand up? Wahakada. Does that make sense? The other scholars are saying no, it's not necessarily the case. It could be when I tell you to sit down, I'm not prohibiting you from standing up, but I'm prohibiting you from lying down. Are we all together, brothers? Now the author, Rahimullah, he goes into the concept of an-nahi. An-nahi. Let's also mention what nahi is. Four things. Just like Amr. Nahi is four things. And no istida'a'u tark. You're told to leave, I'm requested to leave of something. Point number two, by way of speech. Yeah. Point number one, so the nahi, what does it mean? Four things, four points. Number one, you're being requested to leave off something. The request to leave off something. Number two, by way of speech. By way of speech. And brothers, Pay, pay attention to this. The amar and the nahi are verbal. They are not action. We don't take a command and a prohibition from the Prophet's mere action. Are we all together? You can't say we have to do this. Why? Because the Prophet did this. No. We're all together, brothers. We take the awamir from the Prophet's verbal speech. 
That's why when the Prophet ﷺ was praying salah and he was teaching them how to pray, he had to say, Sallu usali. Pray the way you see me pray. Are we all together? But the fact that the Prophet stood up and he just did this and he didn't say that, it would not show that this is obligatory. The same when the Prophet ﷺ was doing hajj and he said to the people, Khudu anni manasikakum. Take your hajj from me. The fact that he said that, it made it obligatory. So obligation and a command is taken from verbal. A command is not taken from what? An action. Are we all together? The same with the prohibition. The prohibition is taken from verbally, but it's not taken from a mere action. Okay? So here we say, The prohibition, the second point is by speech. Just like the command is by speech. Number three is um, to someone who is ranked lower than you. Or who is positioned lower than you, like a parent to his child, or a teacher to his student, this is is a is a, is a nahi. Are we all together? Like a teacher won't say, "My student prohibited me from doing this," or a, a, a parent won't say, "My son prohibited me from doing this." Huh? But the child will say that, "My mom stopped prohibiting me from doing this," or "My teacher prohibited me from doing this." Does that make sense? <laughs> number three is uh, no, sorry number four is ala sabili wujubi in a forceful manner in a forceful manner the way that you're being told to leave off this act is not in a gentle manner it's in a forceful manner and for instance the sharia is saying to you if you don't leave this you're going to go to hellfire or you're going to be punished or this or that is a nahi okay Then the author, rahimahullah, mentioned um, And there's also another thing that we take from it, which is um, If something is prohibited from you Then it becomes corrupt What does it become? It becomes corrupted yeah. Are we all together? It becomes corrupt. The Sharia prohibited you, for instance, to um, buy, buy after the adhan of Salatul Jum'ah. You're not allowed to. You've been told and prohibited from buying and selling. Prohibition. Now pay attention to this. If a person then buys and sells, okay, and this person goes home and says, look, the product you gave me was fake. There was nothing in the box. And he goes, well, I don't care. You, you, you had a time to choose and whatnot. And they basically quarrel over the product. The Sharia will say there was no transaction at all. Then this timing, it was prohibited for you to both buy and sell. So, fasadul bay'ah. Bay'ah was corrupt. It never happened. No buying or selling took place here. So, does that make sense? So then everything has to be done again. So give him back his money, you take it, start again. There's no buying and selling. Does that make sense? So anything that the Sharia prohibits, anything that the Sharia prohibits, doing it shows corruption. It doesn't have any uh, application. There's no uh, acceptance on it. Are we all together? No. وَتَرِيغُ صِيغَةُ الْأَمْرِ وَالْمُرَادُ بِهِ الْإِبَاحَةُ وَأَوَ التَّهْدِيدُ أَوَ التَّسْوِيَةُ أَوَ التَّكْوِينُ 
The author, rahimahullah, here he mentioned, وَتَرِدُ صِيغَةِ الْأَمْرِ وَالْمُرَادِ بِهِ النَّدِبُ أَوِ الْإِبَاحَةِ أَوِ التَّهْدِيدِ أَوِ التَّسْوِيَةِ أَوِ التَّكْوِينِ Sometimes, an amr might come. Sometimes, an amr might come, and it's not obligation. It's not. Allah commands you to do something, but it's not to do it, if that makes sense. The amr comes, a command comes, but it's not to do it in the sharia. We already gave the example for the nedba and the ibaha. Okay? The nedb I mentioned, something which is mandub, is sallu qabla al-maghribi, sallu qabla al-maghribi, sallu qabla al-maghribi, liman sha'a. That's nedb. Al-ibaha, I gave it, which is, wa'idha halaltum fastadu. I gave that example. Lakin what about a tahdeed and a taswiyah and a taqween? Allah tabaraka ta'ala he said in the Quran, Qul tamatta'u fa'inna masirakum ilan nar. Allah said to the disbelievers, enjoy your disbelief. For verily the hellfire will be your final abode. Look at the ayah. Qul say to them, Muhammad, tamatta'u. Tamatta'u is a amar, it's a command. So are they being commanded to enjoy themselves? No. This is not a command to do. It's a command which is a warning, a tahdeed. They're being threatened here. The second way, the, uh, sorry, the third type is a tahdeed, a taswiyah. That the sharia mentions it because these two things are equal to each other. They're both the same. But it's not telling you to do neither of the two. It's not. It's just telling you that these two things are both the same. Where Allah Taala said in the Quran, فَاصْبِرُوا أَوْ لَا تَصْبِرُوا Be patient or don't be patient. Here, Allah is not telling you be patient and He's not telling you not to be patient. Whichever one you choose, it's what? It's the same. Here it's called At-Taswiyah. And the third one is At-Takween. At-Takween means Allah is bringing something into existence. He's not commanding anything. Like when Allah says to the disbelievers, the Jews, when He changed their form, He said, قُلْ كُونُوا حِجَارَةً أَوْ حَدِيدًا أَمَا كُونُوا قِرَدَةً خَاسِئِينَ More like وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُمُ الَّذِينَ اَعْتَدُوا مِنْكُمْ فِي السَّبْتِ فَكُونُوا Allah said to them about كُونُوا قِرَدَةً خَاسِئِينَ Be a what? قِرَد means what? Monkeys So كُونُوا بِي Here They're not being spoken to and told for them to change themselves into monkeys They were not being requested to do that This is Allah is making it happen Okay, so anyways, the word, the commandments come and sometimes they don't mean obligation. That's all he's trying to show you. Now, the author now goes into the gen- generality, generalization. The text that shows generalization. Now we're going to go into Dalalatul Al-Fadh. This is one of the most important chapters of Usul Al-Fiqh. This text, is it general? Is it what? Is it general? What does the word Am mean? فَهُوَ مَعَمَّ شَيْئَيْنِ فَصَاعِدًا Am is general in English. 
It, it is whatever encompasses two or more things. An example he gave is And the definition that the author Rahimullah chose here is more of the linguistic definition. He chose a linguistic definition. He hasn't chosen a technical definition. Anyways, the types of umum are four. So if I give you the technical definition, it is It's a speech that was placed to encompass all of its types without any exclusivity. It's not exclusive to any one of them. It's any speech that encompasses all of its types without anything exclusive. Meaning all of them. Okay? Yarhamukallah. The, the author mentioned that the Ru'am, if you want to know an, a, a text is general in the Quran or the Sunnah, is four ways. If you're reading an ayah and you want to know if this is general or is it specific, the author mentions that it's four types. Number one is Al Ismul Wahidul Mu'arrafu Bil Alifi Wallam. It says it in your English, right? What does it say? A noun that has in it the indefinite Alif Al Lam, right? For example, is Al-Insan Al-Insan here is a noun with an alif and lam in there. So it encompasses all of mankind. All of mankind are in a state of loss. Okay, it's not a specific type of people who are in a state of loss. So what we say is Al-Insana The second one is Ismul Jam'il Mu'arrafi Bil Alifi Wallam. A plural noun that has in it alif alam. And of course, the alif alam, it's not ahdiya. It can't be ahdiya. An example for that is qad al mu'minun. Al mu'minun. Al mu'minun, it's a plural noun that has alif alam in it. So it means all of the believers are uh, in a state of success. That's what the ayah says. Another example is وَإِذَا بَلَغَ الْأَطْفَالُ مِنْكُمُ الْحُلُمَ فَلْيَسْتَأْذِنُوا الْأَطْفَالِ Atfal is plural. Has alif al-lam in there. Shows generalization. Another one is الرِّجَالُ قَوَّامُونَ عَلَى النِّسَاءِ The word النِّسَاء It's a plural noun that has alif al-lam in it. All of those. Also, Allah Taala says, "وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي خَالِقٌ بَشَرًا مِنْ طِينٍ فَإِذَا سَوَّيْتُهُ وَنَفَخْتُ فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِي فَقَعُوا لَهُ سَاجِدِينَ فَسَجَدَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ كُلُّهُمْ مَجْمَعُونَ." نعم, الملائكة, all of the angels prostrated. They all prostrated. Um, the third type is Al-Asma Al-Mubhama. Al-Asma Al-Mubhama are the ambiguous nouns. Okay? Al-Asma Al-Mubhama. Such as Al-Asma Al-Shart. The conditional nouns, which they call in English. The conditional nouns, which in Arabic is known as Asma Al-Shart. Conditional nouns is the third type. They show generalization. That's the example where Allah says, مَن يَعْمَلْ سُوءًا يُجْزَ بِهِ مَن It's a condition. Whoever. It's a condition. So the word men here shows generalization. Okay? 
For example, Asma'al Mawsulah is an example for that. The Prophet said, the one who drinks from gold and um, silver plated utensils um, in his stomach, the hellfire will be poured inside it. Um, ma as well. The ma also is conditional. They show generalization as well. Also, the word وَأَيُّن The word أَيُّن The word أَيُّن Shows generalization. These are, by the way, the Ud Asma al Mubhama we're mentioning. وَأَيُّن It shows generalization. Shows generalization. And the word Aina. By the way, all of these are written in there for you. Aina, when it's used for a place, it shows generalization. Like Qawluhu Ta'ala, the statement of Allah. Wherever you are, death will come to you. Wherever. Generalization. Mata, the word mata, the one that comes as istifhamiya, interrogative mata. Like, mata nasrullah, and they said, oh Allah, when is the victory? Shows generalization. For example, when the Arabs, they say, mata tusafir usafir. Whenever you travel, I will travel. It means whenever. It doesn't matter when you travel. That person can't come tomorrow and say, no, I didn't mean Thursdays. You know I can't travel on Thursdays. You're like, but you used the word meta and you said whenever. So whenever I travel, you will travel. Does that make sense? These are words that you take generalization from it. The word وَمَا فِي الْإِسْتِفْحَامِيَ وَالْجَزَاءِ وَغَيْرِهِ And the word ma uh, are also. La, the author rahimahullah mentions as well. The la. The la fi nakirat it also shows generalization. Like Qawluhu Ta'ala, فَلَا رَفَثَ وَلَا فُسُوقَ وَلَا جِدَالَ فِي الْحَجِّ فَلَا تَدْعُ مَعَ اللَّهِ إِلَاهًا فَلَا تَدْعُ مَعَ اللَّهِ أَحَدًا وَإِنْ أَحَدٌ مِّنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ اسْتَجَارَكَ فَأَجِرْهُ حَتَّى يَسْمَعَ كَلَامَ اللَّهِ مَنْ إِلَاهٌ غَيْرُ اللَّهِ يَأْتِيكُمْ بِضِيَاءٌ All of those, they show generalization. Also from the words that show generalization is the word kullu in the Arabic language. Kullu Everyone's going to taste death. There's not a specific people who won't. Okay? The example for it is al-mudafu li-ma'rifah. If a singular word or even a plural word 
is attributed to a noun, it also shows generalization. Like, Allah is a singular word and it's been attributed, the blessing is being attributed to Allah here. It shows generalization, meaning if you can't if you try to count the blessings of Allah, any blessings of Allah, you will never be able to. You'll never be able to put a figure to it. Like Again, it's a um is plural. And it's been attributed now. <coughs> Which one? Which singular one? Oh, you mean the one I just mentioned? I said if a singular noun or even a plural noun is being attributed to a name, that's a name, of course, or anything which is mu'arraf, anything which is definite, it shows generalization as well. Also, an nakiratu fi imtinan. An indefinite in the form of mentioning a favor over someone. Which was generalization. Allah is saying, <laughs> is an indefinite. Tahuran here is in the form of a siyak, which is imtinan. I did this favor for you. I was the one who set the rain down on you. So it shows all of the rains. Qawlu ta'ala as well. It shows generalization. And there are many. The general, the nusus which are general are very large. Because the asal of the Quran and the Sunnah is to be general and not to be specific. So you can find all of those which are general from the author, Rahimahullah. Um, uh, the author of Al Waraqat It can't be ahdiyah, I said. Ahdiyah is whenever you say the man. You know the, the man we knew? And that's ahdiyah. That's not generalization. Specific. The alif al-lam is istighraqiyah and ahdiyah. Ahdiyah means, you know, we're going to go to the man today. You and I know which man we're talking about. It was the one we went to yesterday. That's what, who we're talking about. That alif al-lam is ahdiyah. It doesn't show generalization. It can't be in the equation. The author then says, you cannot claim generalization in other than speech. Actions don't show generalization. Okay? Actions of the Prophet don't show generalization. You can't say because the Prophet did it, it's general. No, that's what he's saying. Now. والتخصيص تمييز بعض الجملة وهو ينقسم إلى متصل ومنفصل فالمتصل الاستثناء والتقييد بالشرط والتقييد بالصفة والاستثناء إخراج ما لولاه لدخل في الكلام وإنما يصح بشرط أن يبقى من المستثنى منه شيء ومن شرطه أن يكون متصلا بالكلام ويجيز تقديم الاستثناء على المستثنى منه ويجيز الاستثناء من الجنس ومن غيره والشرط يجوز أن يتأخر عن المشروط ويجوز أن يتقدم عن المشروط والمقيد بالصفة يحمل عليه المطلق رقبة قيدت بالإيمان في بعض المواضع وأطلقت في بعض المواضع فيحمل المطلق على المقيد ويجوز تخصيص الكتاب بالكتاب وتخصيص الكتاب بالسنة وتخصيص السنة بالكتاب وتخصيص السنة بالسنة وتخصيص النطق بالقياس ونعني بالنطق قول الله سبحانه وتعالى وقول رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the author, Rahimahullah, now he goes on into the opposite of Am, which is what? Khas. So he goes, 
That which is opposite to Al-Am. Am is general and Khas is specific. Okay? And of course, Takhsis is going to share, it means specific. So it's not for everybody specific. And it's two types. How many types? Two types. The first one is Mutasil and the second one is uh, Munfasil. Mutasil means connected and Mufasil means detached. And a mutasil means that which cannot stand by itself. Yeah, it can't stand by itself. In other words, in other words, the general and the specific are both in the same context. That's the first type. It's connect. It's connected, meaning the general and the specific are both mentioned together. Okay. And the delil for that is وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ حِجُّ الْبَيْتِ مَنِ اسْتَطَاعَ إِلَيْهِ سَبِيلًا The word مَنِ اسْتَطَاعَ Whoever is able It's a what? It's a badal مِنَ النَّاسِ The word مَنِ اسْتَطَاعَ Whoever is able it, It's وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ النَّاسِ Means all of the people have to do hajj وَلِلَّهِ عَلَى النَّاسِ All of the people but then in the same ayah, Allah brought a group of people out. Who are they? The ones who don't have the ability. Does that make sense? So that's specific. The second one is munfasil. Munfasil means you find a general somewhere and then you find the specific and the khas somewhere else. And it stands by itself, detached from the general. For example, Allah says, يُوصِيكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أَوْلَادِكُمْ لِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ Surah An-Nisa In this ayah Allah tells us يُوصِيكُمُ اللَّهُ فِي أَوْلَادِكُمْ Allah gives us a wasiyah regarding our children لِلذَّكَرِ مِثْلُ حَظِّ الْأُنْثَيَيْنِ The boy inherits two girls' inheritance That ayah shows that the, the, the child inherits his father and there's the inheritance between the two and it's general. Whether the parent is believer or disbeliever, it doesn't matter. It's general. Then a hadith comes which says, La muslim muslim A Muslim cannot inherit a disbeliever and a disbeliever cannot inherit a Muslim. They can't inherit each other. So if your dad's a rich non-Muslim, work on his shahada, brother. Work on his shahada. Or else, you're just going to watch that money go to somewhere else. Okay? And if you're rich, and you're a Muslim and your son doesn't take Islam or he doesn't choose to take Islam, he can't inherit your wealth. But the ayah is general. Means a father and a son inherit each other is unrestricted. But then this hadith, which is found in Sahih Bukhari and Muslim, shows that the only people who inherit each other are Muslims. The father has to be a Muslim and the son has to also be a Muslim. Now the author mentions the types of uh, the second type of mukhassis, the takhsis. How many types of, of the khas were there? Two. Connected and disconnected. The author now, he mentioned the uh, connected are types. The connected are how many types? They are types. The first one of them is istithna. Istithna. Istithna is exception. It's an exception. A shart is a condition. And a taqyid 
And a taqyid is a what? And a taqyid is a restriction. And we'll carry on after the salah, inshallah ta'ala. Naam. So the author, rahimahullah, he mentioned that the mutasil, which is one of the types of the khas, we said the khas is two types, mutasil and munfasil. The mutasil is three types. Al-istithna, al-shart, and al-taqyid, al-muqayyad. Those are the three. Now we're going to go into the first one, which is al-istithna. What does al-istithna mean? Because istithna, it's a form of khas, which is a mutasil type. Istithna means exception. It's when you say something and then you bring something out of it. Okay? Like the statement of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when he said, As-sulhu jaizun bayna al-muslimina illa shartan harrama halalan aw ahalla harama wal-muslimuna ala shurutim illa shartan harrama halalan aw ahalla harama The Messenger said that the conditions of the believers, the conditions that they give one another, it's how they condition it amongst themselves. Then the messenger gave an exception. There's types of exception, uh, conditions that are not allowed, which is illa shartan harrama halalan or ahalla harama. A shart that makes halal that which is haram or haram that which is halal. So here, what do you call that? You call it istithna. Meaning all the conditions are allowed except this. Very good question. The brother asked if a wife, I mentioned previously, I mentioned previously that a woman can say to her husband, she has every right to say to her husband, Shar'an. That you, when you marry me, you can't marry any woman after me. I'm the only woman. You can't. I want you to sign the dotted lines. Okay? Is a woman allowed to do that? Is she permitted to do that? The brother asked, how can that be permissible? When this hadith says, وَالْمُسْلِمُونَ عَلَىٰ شُرُوطِهِمْ إِلَّا شَرْطًا this woman is making haram for the man that which Allah made permissible for him. So how do you reconcile between your say, statement that a woman can say to her husband, if we get married, you can't marry another woman, it's not allowed for you, sign this part of the document and the brother goes and he signs because he wants to get married to his sister. So what does he do? He signs. I said last time that this is allowed. She can do this. And how do you reconcile it with this? The evidence for that is Abu Ali ibn Abi Talibin. When he married Fatima, Ali, when he married Fatima, Fatima gave him that condition. Are we all together? Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet, she gave Ali ibn Abi Talib that condition. And Ali agreed to it. Are we all together? 
And some way in the relationship, Ali wanted to go and get married, and the Prophet said, you can't. You made a condition. You have to fulfill your condition. So if the condition wasn't allowed, the Prophet wouldn't have said that. Ibn al-Qayyim expands on this in great details in his kitab, Zadul Ma'ad. Fi hadi khayr al-ibad. So a lot of brothers, they get upset with me when I say this. Lakinahu, it's a mas'ala, mubayyanun fi madanihi. It's clarified in its places. After Fatima died, Lakin. Fatima died six months later after the Prophet. Then he got married after her. So women are allowed to do that. So istithna means exception. You say everyone leave except Ahmed. That's called istithna. General ruling, specific. This is the type. Are we all together? And how do I know that this is istithna? How do I know it's istithna? The word illa or one of the brothers or sisters of illa are used. Okay, and we're going to learn what they are in Ajrumiyah, inshallah ta'ala, which is the next book, the grammar book. You learn what Illa and its brothers are. The scholars, they give two conditions for the istithna to be accepted. Your exception will only be accepted when they, it meets two conditions. The istithna has conditions. The first condition is, When you give an exception, Whatever you gave an exception has to leave something behind. So for example, you say, This man has to give me 10 except 5. No problem. 5 you have to give. Are we all together? You say, he has on me. I have to give him 10 except 5. Okay. Are we all together, brothers? What you took out after the illa is less than what you said before that. That's the first condition. You can't say, for instance, What's the exception here for? Does that make sense? So they say, Something has to remain. The second condition is, It has to be connected with the speech. Okay? It has to be connected with the speech. Yeah, brothers. The man can't say, for example, my wives are divorced. And the next day he wakes up, he goes, except, except uh, Fatima. Except Fatima. No, 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 no. Are we all together? He's, you said this. And then the next day you say something else, they have to be all connected. Are we all together? So, and they say the connective of the speech means means it has to literally be connected. For example, the man says, I divorce all my wives except Fatima. Or the man says, I divorce all my wives. He sneezes. And then he carries on his speech, no problem, because the speech are still connected. That's hukman, they said. Are we all together? Or someone stops him whilst he's speaking and says, well, take Fatima out. Take Fatima out. And he goes, accept Fatima. That's also permissible, they said. 
And the evidence for that is the Prophet sallallahu alaihi said, "Inna hadha al-balada haramahu Allah yawm khalaqa samawati wal-ard la yu'dadu shawkuhu wa la yukhtahalahu." The Prophet said, "Sallallahu in Mecca, it's a place where Allah prohibited anything being taken out. Nothing is allowed to be taken out from Mecca. No twig has can be pulled, no tree, none of that. Okay? Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib said, "Ya Rasulullah, illa al-idkhir. Please take out idkhir." And the idkhir was um, what the Arabs used to use for the making of their houses and things like that. That type of tree, or Messenger of Allah. Please, please take that out. The twigs. We need that for our, our construction. Then the Messenger said, إِلَّا الْإِذْخِرِ So the exception didn't come from the Prophet. It came from Abbas. Abbas, in, 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 he entered it into the speech, and then the Prophet accepted it. This is also considered al-mustathna, which is mutasinu bil-kalam. Okay. وَيَجُوزُ تَقْدِيمُ Jazakallah khairan. وَيَجُوزُ تَقْدِيمُ الْمُسْتَثْنَى عَلَى الْمُسْتَثْنَى مِنْهُ can the mustathna minhu? So can the mustathna go before the mustathna minhu? Does that make sense? The, the way we said before was lahu alayya ashra illa khamsa. Can illa khamsa lahu alayya ashra? Can we put it back and forth? Can we do that? The author say no problem. However, order you say it, if you bring the illa first or if you put the illa after, no problem. Taqdim and taqir la darara fihi. There's no harm uh, in that. وَيَجُوزُ الْمُسْتَثْنَى الْإِسْتِثْنَى مِنْ جِنْسِي وَمِنْ غَيْرِي It's also permissible to give an istithna of something that don't, the two things that you're given istithna from are not the same. For example, you can say, جَاءَ الْقَوْمُ The people came. إِلَّا الْحِمَارِ Except the donkey. الحمار, the donkey is not part of the qawm. He's not from the same essence as them. The istithna is permissible from things that are the same. And the example for this one that's very strong and the scholars speak about here is which is istithna, an exception from something that is not its essence. The one most famous is قوله تعالى وَإِذْ قَالَ رَبُّكَ لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ إِنِّي خَالِقٌ بَشَرًا مِنْ طِينٍ فَإِذَا سَوَّيْتُهُ وَنَفَخْتُ فِيهِ مِنْ رُوحِ فَقْعُوا لَهُ سَاجِدِينَ فَسَجَدَ الْمَلَائِكَةُ كُلُّهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ إِلَّا إِبْلِيسَ إِذَنْ إِبْلِيسَ Allah mentions here that all of the angels prostrated True or false? All of the angels إِذَنْ إِبْلِيسَ is the angel Then why did Allah take him out of the angels then if he's not an angel? إِلَّا إِبْلِيسَ اسْتَكْبَرَ the angels prostrated. Iblis didn't. It means all of the angels, Iblis included, because Iblis is part of the angels. And the scholars, they say, no, no, no. It can happen that the, the thing that's been made out of, like I gave right now, it can be. Are we all together? And another example is, Allah says, Those of you who believe, do not eat each other's wealth with falsehood. Unless it's trading that is built upon what? You're pleased with one another. Why would Allah make that an exception when that's not a form of 
taken from someone's wealth batil. Am I, am I making sense? Another example, Allah says, لا يسمعون فيها لغوان إلا سلاما إلا سلاما is not part of لغوي. Why did Allah take that out? وهكذا. Are we all together? So, this author here, rahimahullah, when he says, وَيَجُوزُ الْإِسْتِثْنَاءُ مِنَ الْجِنْسِ وَمِنْ غَيْرِهِ Because Iblis is not a malaika. As Allah said, وَإِذْ قُلْنَا لِلْمَلَائِكَةِ اسْجُدُوا لِآدَمَ فَسَجَدُوا إِلَّا إِبْلِيسَ كَانَ إِلَّا إِبْلِيسَ كَانَ مِنَ الْجِنِّ فَفَسَقَ عَنْ أَمْرِ رَبِّهِ أَفَتَتَّخِذُونَهُ وَذُرِّيَّةَ أُولِيَاءَ مِنْ دُونِ وَهُمْ لَكُمْ عَدُوْ بِئْسَ لِلظَّالِمِينَ بَدَلًا Iblis is مِنَ الْجِنِّ He is from the jinn Are we all together? Is he the father of all of the jinns? Like we came from Adam alayhi salam And he's our father Is the jinn's father who they all came from Iblis Allahu alam That's good Always use that Whenever you get question asked Allahu alam. Huh? No, he's not because in the ayah itself it says kana min al-jinni fa fasaqa an amri rabbi afatattakhidunahu wa dhurriyatahu awliya min dun min al-jinn he's from the jinn. He's from them means he's a part of them not a father for them. Are we all together? Adam you don't say he's from the he's from the Banu Adam. You don't say that, sah? They know who he is the father of the Banu Adam. They're named after him. The second type of khas al mutasir is a shart, conditional, a condition. An example for that in the Quran is Qawluhu Ta'ala when Allah says, وَإِن كُنَّ أُولَاتِ حَمْلٍ فَأَنْفِقُوا عَلَيْهِنَّ حَتَّى يَضَعْنَ حَمْلَهُنَّ Allah says, وَإِن كُنَّ أُولَاتُ حَمْلٍ If the women are pregnant. A man divorces the woman. He divorced her. How long does he have to provide for the woman after he divorces her? Yeah? Huh? While she's, she's on her idda, he has to still pay for her. Her provision, his food, everything, he has to pay for her. Idda, while she's on her idda. Thalathata quru, right? The thalathata quru. He provides for her. But what about if she's pregnant? She's got his child. He's going to have to... If he divorced her two days after she got pregnant, nine months you're going to be providing for her. Okay? She's the money and everything and her maskin and her sleep and everything is still on you for those nine months. That's what Allah says. If they are those who are carrying your children, provide for them. Until they give birth to your child. Well, this concept, I've, said, I've mentioned it in my couple of my lectures, this concept of uh, Western concept, which they refer to women as gold diggers. Gold diggers, gold diggers. There are gold diggers. Women are with a man for money. This is not a shari thing. Are we all together? Because the asal of a woman for a man is that she lives on his finance. He provides everything for her. It's his job. To give her everything Even if she's wealthy And she has all of the money in the world He still has to provide for her Because of the ayah Al-Rijalu qawamuna ala nisa'i Bima faddal Allahu Ba'adahum ala ba'adu Wa bima Anfaqu min amwalihim Has to give that money It's upon you There's no way There's no way out of it But the western mindset is that She's independent woman She can do what she wants And she can uh, She's a free woman And she needs to work And everything That's what they say And then Based on that, if she asks money from her husband, 
they say to her, look at her. Gold digger. Because the men don't want to give the money. That's why they were the ones who coined that term. Okay. So, the second type of the mukhassis, which is mutasil, is called sharat. Conditional one. The third one is going to be the muqayyid, the restricted one. And we're going to come to that uh, now. The muqayyid, what does muqayyid mean? Muqayyid means restricted. An example for that is Qawluhu Ta'ala, Surah An-Nisa, Ayah 23. When Allah said about the women that are prohibited. Allah was talking about the women that are prohibited from a man. From them, Allah mentions, This is a mushkil. It's a mushkil to some scholars. A man married a woman. The woman he married, she has daughters. What does she have? She has daughters. The ayah says, The women that you've married, their daughters who've grown up in your house, huh? you're not allowed to marry them and their mothers together. So you cannot marry a mother and her daughter together, even if this daughter came from what? Another man. The minute you enter onto the mother, meaning the minute the aqd happens between you and the mother, the daughter becomes what? She becomes haram from you to ever get married. Even if you divorce the mother, you can never ever marry what? Her daughter. Lakin, the ayah says, the women whose daughters grew up in your household. Does that mean if a mother has a daughter and her daughter never grew up in your house, her father was taking care of her, you can marry her? Her and her mother? Question. Do you guys get the question? Do you understand the question? Is the question clear? Allahu Alam. Allahu Alam. Any other feedback? But the ayah says, The women whose daughters grew up in your house. This girl, she never grew up in the house. We never raised her. She never, I, never, I never seen her in my life, Methelen. For instance, I'm with a mother, always been with a mother. The girl came when she was 25, 30. Knocked on the door, I said, who are you? That's my mother you're married to, Methelen. In a situation like that, can the man then marry the girl and the mother together? When the girl didn't grow up in the household of that house family. Who can answer this? This is the, this is the, this is the issue of usul al-fiqh. You have a delil, how do you use it? Sah? This the ulama call it ma al ghalib. Majority of the times when a man marries a woman, the children who do they stay with? If the woman was divorced or widowed, who does the children generally stay with? The mother. And then Allah is talking about the overwhelming majority of situations what happens. The qaida is that which is rare, it, it follows. It's rare that a girl would, it's not, it's not common. Let me, let me use that. It's not common that a mother would just leave her daughter out 
and just go and get married. It's not common. Okay? And the ayah is talking about what is common. That's what it means. But it doesn't mean that this is exactly the only situation. Are we all together? Ibn Kathir pointed that out. So we mentioned the muqayyad and everything. Now the author, rahimahullah, mentioned what are the things that can specify what? How can a taqsis happen? How can it happen? The author says, وَيَجُوزُ تَخْسِيسُ الْكِتَابِ بِالْكِتَابِ وَتَخْسِيسُ الْكِتَابِ بِالسُنَّةِ وَتَخْسِيسُ السُنَّةِ بِالْكِتَابِ وَتَخْسِيسُ السُنَّةِ بِالسُنَّةِ وَتَخْسِيسُ النُطْقِ بِالْقِيَاسِ وَنَعْنِ بِالنُطْقِ قَوْلَ اللَّهِ تَعَالَى وَقَوْلَ الرَّسُولِ Okay. Is it permissible for the Qur'an to specify the Qur'an? So there's a general ayah in one place and then another ayah comes and specifies it. Can that happen? The author is saying yes. So it can be Takhtisul Kitab Bil Kitab. Are we all together? It can happen. An example for that is Allah says in the Quran, The woman who is divorced, how how long does, does she wait for her menstruation? Three. Uh, three or three hayd, we don't know that yet because this is مسألة مسألة it's very uh, pulled and pushed anyways the woman who's divorced how long does she sit and remain for either ثلاثة حيض or ثلاثة طهرين whichever view you take but is that referring to the woman that has inter- had intimacy with that man or not what about if he the day he got married at night time with his friends he hasn't even seen the woman. At night, when the nikah happened, they said to him, you're not going to be single anymore. And he got scared. And he got nervous. And then he goes, she's divorced. I don't want to be with her anymore. And the girl, before she could come to the him, he was, she was told that the man divorced you. Does she still have to wait for three? Yes. No, she doesn't. There's another ayah. Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu idha nakahtumul mu'minati thumma talaqtumuhunna min qabli an tamassuhun fama lakum alayhinna min iddatin ta'taddunaha She doesn't have no idda which she waits. Fama lakum min iddatin ta'taddunaha You see, min qabli an tamassuhunna Before he has any, any, any intimacy, he divorced her. Ya alladhina amanu idha talaqtumun nisa'a If you divorce a woman, before you had any intimate relationship, if you divorce her, فمالكم, oh you women, straight that, that same day she can say, oh I'm not going to take my wedding clothes off. I want to marry his friend. And she can get married that same night. Are we all together? That can happen. She doesn't have to count her. So one eye is general and the other eye is specific. That needs, this is ilm, brothers. So someone will just take this eye and say, whoa, okay. It's general. Allahumma barik. Like in this ayah mentioned, the women are two. Al-madkhul biha wa ghayr al-madkhul biha. Okay. That's the taqsis al-Qur'ani bil-Qur'an. The Qur'an specifying itself. So there's general verse and there's specific verse. The Qur'an doing this to himself. What about taqsis al-Kitab? The Qur'an has the general verse and then the sunnah comes and specifies it. There's many, but I'll mention some. Allah, after he mentioned the women that you can't marry, 
he says anything after that you can marry them are we all together the Quran it mentions women that you cannot marry and after that what did Allah say Allah says it has been made halal for you any woman after this so from the eye when we look we don't find a girl and her auntie or a maternal auntie or her paternal auntie mentioned in the ayah so the ayah is saying that you can marry any woman after that so that means I can marry a girl and her maternal and her paternal auntie at the same time like in no we can't why? because it's a hadith that came that specified the ayah which is a woman cannot be married with her maternal auntie her paternal and her maternal auntie. The Sunnah came and it specified that verse. This hadith specified it. What about the Quran being specified based on the consensus of the Ummah? Okay? The consensus of the Ummah. The Ummah unanimously agree upon something. Are we all together? An example for that is the water in al-ma'a tahurun illa in tagayyara ta'amu aw rihuhu aw lawnuhu the water that changes its scent its taste and its color is not a and because of an ajas that fell into it an impurity that fell into it that water is considered to be what? impure there is no hadith the hadith that is mentioned, hadith of Abu Umamat al-Bahili, is a hadith of la yasih. It's a weak hadith. So in terms of a hadith, there isn't. So anzalna min al-samai ma'an tahura, we sent down from the sky water which is clean. It's general. And the consensus of the ummah mentioned that if that water that came from the sky changes in terms of its color, or its color, or, or its taste, or its smell, then that water is najis by consensus. The ummah unanimously agree upon. And then Fanta, you can't do wudu with it. Or Coca-Cola. Are we all together? Definitely you can't do it with Mountain Dew. Have respect for Mountain Dew. But Coca-Cola or Fanta or Pepsi, all of those waters, you can't what? You can't do, do, do tahara with it and ghusl. Why? Well, does anyone know why? So is it water which is najis? He said it's najis water, so why are you drinking it for? Coca-Cola. Ah, so it's tahir ghayra mutahirin. Fanta is tahir, right? That's why we drink it. I don't know about Pepsi, but... But all these drinks are tahir, they are tahir. But couldn't they purify you? No, they can't, that's another job. It doesn't have that factor anymore. Okay, what about... Um, yeah, of course, it's, it's again the amount, amount of water. For example, if somebody went to the Pacific Ocean and urinated inside it, brother, yeah, one of the things that I read was Al Imam Abu Hanifa, he was from the people of opinions, and they said to him one time. That there's a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu where he said, The water, 
if it reaches kullatain, kullatain is one gallon, مثلاً, it can't take impurities. So someone urinated in water, which is one gallon, it's too big. One gallon and more, it's too big. Abu Hanifa didn't believe the fact. He believed that if the water even reaches that much, it's still not pure. So they told him in this hadith. He thought, he looked at the person who told him and he said to him, Wafina man Amongst us is someone who can actually urinate a gallon. We have in our midst people who can actually urinate a gallon. What are you going to say in this? He said. So the, third, the fourth one is, The fourth one is تَخْسِيسُ الْكِتَابِ بِالْقِيَاسِ Doing تَخْسِيس of the Qur'an with Qiyas With Qiyas, Qiyas is analogy Analogy will do تَخْسِيس of the Qur'an Homework I need that one You guys bring me an example for that تَخْسِيسُ الْكِتَابِ بِالْقِيَاسِ Qiyas specifying a general text in the Qur'an How can that happen? The author then goes into the concept of taqsisu as-sunnah. And taqsisu sunnati bi-sunnah. So for example, taqsisu sunnati bil-kitab. The sunnah is general and the Qur'an is specific. An example is, umirtu an uqatila nasi Umirtu an uqatila nas I was commanded to kill the people. Hatta yaqulu la ilaha illallah until they say la ilaha illallah. How are we going to? That's general. So that means every single person has to be killed until they say la ilaha illallah. No, no, no. There's an ayah which is specific where Allah tabarak wa ta'ala says So some of the non-Muslims can pay jizya and they won't be touched. So they don't, say, so they don't have to say la ilaha illallah. Are we all together? It can happen. What about the sunnah specifying the sunnah? That's also an example I want you guys to bring. And what about that's also something I want you guys to bring inshaAllah ta'ala. Naam. والمجمل ما افترق إلى البيان والبيان إخراج شيء من حيز الإشكال إلى حيز التجلي والنص ما لا يحتمل إلى معنى واحدة وقيل ما تأويله تنزيله وهو مشتق من منصة العروس وهو الكرسي والظاهر محتمل أمرين أحدهما أظهر من الآخر ويؤول الظاهر بالدليل ويسمى الظاهر بالدليل Mujmal, what is that? Mujmal is something that's not clear. It's ambiguous. It can't be implemented. It's hard to implement it. An example for that is Qawluhu Ta'ala, the statement of Allah, wa salah. Go establish the prayer. How do I establish a prayer? Where do I start from? What is a prayer? What time is a prayer? How many rak'ah is it? Well, those people say we only take the Quran, this is the problem that happens to them. They say we don't take the sunnah. The ayah wa salah. I go pray salah. How many salahs are there? He can't answer that. Because in the Quran, there are verses which are mujmal. And a mujmal means ambiguous, vague, unclear. What does it require? It needs a verse to clarify it and clear it. And the job of the Prophet ﷺ was to clarify these verses. As Allah said in the Quran, وَأَنزَلْنَا إِلَيْكَ الذِّكْرَ لِتُبَيِّنَ لِلنَّاسِ مَا نُزِّلَ إِلَيْهِمْ Muhammad, we sent the Quran on you. 
Why? So you can clarify for the people. So the Quran, there are verses which are mujmal and there are verses which are mubayyan. The sunnah is the wahi from Allah Azza wa Jalla that clarifies these ambiguous verses, makes it clear. Now. So how do we reconcile that with the verse of Allah Taala where He says we send down ayat which are mubayyinat? How do we reconcile that with it? Ayat which are clear. What we say is that the ayat which Allah Taala is referring to here is the Quran ma'asunnah, because the Sunnah and the Quran both came from Allah. With them together, everything is clear. Are we all together? The Sunnah came down from Allah the way that the Quran came down from Allah. And together when you take them, the verses and everything is clear. And some of the scholars, they said, when we take the ayat, when we take that verse where Allah mentions that the Quran, its verses are clear-cut, they're all muhkam, they're all clear. The scholars, they said, it means those verses which are muhkam. Those verses which Allah intended it to be clear, is clear. And those verses Allah wanted it to be understood with a hadith, then they all are clear with help. They are what? They are clear with other evidences. Now, uh, there isn't. Hmm? It becomes unclear to the people. Some particular people don't know it. Like into the ulama, everyone has a view. You've got the eye and the hadith, and he brought it together. He took something out of it. what does it mean? We mentioned al-mujmal and mubayyan. Mujmal mubayyan means mujmal are evidences which are unclear. Mubayyan are which is clear. Are we all together? And the Prophet said to the companions, Taraktukum ala al-mahajjati al-bayda layluha kanaharia la yazigu anha illa halik. Ama taraktukum ala al-bayda layluha kanaharia la yazigu anha illa halik. I left you upon clarity. Clear road. The Prophet said, I left you upon a clear road. It's day, is, it's night is day. There's no vagueness in it. Does that make sense? So the Prophet clarified everything. When he stood in Hajjatul Wada' he said to the people, Oh people, did I convey the message of Islam to you? They said, yes. And then he said, Allahumma fashhad, Allah be my witness. You see, I conveyed everything to these people. I told them everything. So Nabi Muhammad left his companions upon clarity. The Quran and the Sunnah clarified everything for us. Are we all together? The ayat and the hadith, which are, sorry, the ayat which are unclear, we take it to the hadiths that will explain it for us. الصلاح, go establish the prayer. How? We go to the Sunnah and we look at it. Dhuhr comes in this time. This is how you pray Dhuhr. This is what you can do in Dhuhr. This is how many raka'at Dhuhr is. This is Sunnah. Are we all together? Then the author goes into something called Zahir and Mu'awwal. Zahir and Mu'awwal, what does it mean? It means we have a text in front of us. This text that we have in front of us, there's an apparent meaning 
and and an interpretive meaning the apparent meaning is for instance if i say to you ra'aytu asadan i saw a lion it can be a lion the four-legged the king of the jungle it could be him and it could also mean a um, brave person which one is like in which is apparent I just said to you I saw a lion which one is apparent from the yeah the king of the jungle do you see my point but you can't deny there's a 20% that it could mean a brave person. Like, and of course, that 20% is not implemented because of lack of external evidence. There's no evidence to push it towards that direction. Are we all together? So the author, Rahimullah, here is saying, the nusus, there is something which is zahir, and there's something which is mu'awwal. Or that which we hear a lot, ta'wil, ta'wil, ta'wil. The ta'wil of this ayah. Ta'wil means, sarful lafdi an zahirihi. So, uh, Ta'wil means when you divert a word from its apparent meaning. And again, anyone who wants to do that has to bring an evidence for it. Are you with me? I'll give you an example. Maryama, when she saw Jibreel. Maryama, who did she see? Jibreel. He came to her. He... He promised her a child. Sah? Sah, he promised her a child. And she was informed that she's going to have a what? A, a child. When the people will enter onto her, what would she say to them? Faquli inni nadartu lirrahmani sawman falan ukallima liyoma insiya. Faquli, say to the people when they talk, speak to you, at that moment when they try to speak to you, say to them, Inni sawman. I have made with Allah a covenant to do what? Sawman. Okay, now the word sawman, brothers, what does it mean? Two meanings. There's two meanings that are in front of us. The two meanings is, one that means, I'm not going to eat food, I'm not going to drink anything. The fasting that we know, sawm. Al-ma'roof, the fasting that we know, sah? That's one meaning. Or it could mean, I'm going to withhold from speech. Which one of those did she mean? I'm going to hold it. But which one would we have understood it if it was... First one that comes to our mind when she says, It's the fasting, not eating or drinking. But there came an evidence that eliminated that thought out of our mind and made it the only option which is that she's referring to, I'm going to withhold from speech. Because the after the ayah, what did it say? From today onwards, I'm not going to talk to anyone. Does that make sense? So the word psalm here, there's a ma'na zahir and there's a ma'na mu'awwal. The ma'na zahir was left this time. Why was it left? Because of a delil that came outside that pushed us to the ta'wil. Are we all together? So we will do that for the nusus, bishart. Um, with the condition that, of course, that the ta'wil has a evidence. And we'll speak about this more in details, inshallah ta'ala. Um, we'll speak about more in details when we come to 
ذا كتاب الورقة الواسطية باي شيخ الإسلام ابن تيمية هيا الأفعال فعل صاحب الشريعة لا يخلو إما أن يكون على وجه القربة والطاعة وغير ذلك فإن دل دليل على الاختصاص به يحمل على الاختصاص وإن لم يدل لا يخصص به لأن الله تعالى يقول لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة فيحمل على الوجوب عند بعض أصحابنا ومن أصحابنا من قال يحمل على الندب ومنهم من قال يتوقف عنه فإن كان على وجه غير القربة والطاعة فيحمل على الإباحة في حقه وحقنا وإقرار صاحب الشريعة على القول الصادر من أحد هو قول صاحب الشريعة وإقراره على الفعل كفعله وما فعل في وقته في غير مجلسه وعلم به ولم ينكره فحكمه حكم ما فعل في مجلسه. The author, rahimahullah, now he goes, we spoke about the Prophet's speech, Amr, all these things that we were talking about, khas, عام, mutlaq, muqayyad, zahir, muawwal, all of these things were speech. Now we're going to go into the Prophet's actions. صح? The Prophet's actions the author divided it into two. Write it down. The author, rahimahullah, he divided the Prophet's action into two. مَا كَانَ مَفْعُولًا عَلَىٰ غَيْرِ وَجْهِ الْقُرْبَةِ Something that the Prophet did not to get closer to Allah by it. The Prophet wasn't doing it to get closer to Allah by it. Actions that came from the Prophet but wasn't done for him wanting to get closer to Allah by it. That's the first. And the second one is that which he did to get closer to Allah by it. And the second is that which the Prophet did to get closer to Allah by it and get rewarded for it. Let's go to the first one. The first one, which is the, the, the actions that the Prophet did. And he didn't do it to get closer to Allah by it. Okay, he didn't. His intent was not to get closer to Allah by it. There are two types. They are what? There are two types. Fi'l, which is jibilli. A natural action that used to occur from the Prophet ﷺ, his own personal way, he was Salawatullahi Wasallam Ali. Like he used to sleep. He had a way of sleeping, Ali And he had a way of eating. And he had Salawatullah Ali a way to drink. And he had a way he walked. These are actions which he did, Salawatullah Ali. These are actions which are jibili. And Jibili. Jibili is the way he was. And the second one is actions that are um, Adat, the customs of his people. It was customs of his people that he adopted, alayhi salatu wasalam. These two, the Prophet sallallahu never got closer to Allah by it. And if you try to get closer to Allah by walking like the Prophet, some of the scholars, they said it's innovation. To try to walk like the Prophet. Or to try to, for instance, um, for example, the hair, letting it grow to your shoulders, for instance. Some of the scholars, they said this is not 
something you follow the Prophet in it. Uh, if you do it because you like it, that's no problem. It's permissible for you to do it. All together. But if you try to do it to get closer to the Prophet and be like him and get rewarded for it, then you're not really following the Prophet. Why? Because the Prophet did it naturally and you're not doing it naturally. You're doing it to get closer to Allah by it. So you're not following the Prophet in it. That's what some of the scholars say. The second type is Things that the Prophet ﷺ did to get closer to Allah by it. He was trying to get closer to Allah by it. Huh? It was a custom of the Arabs, yes. In my community, if a man, my people, if a man lets his hair grow, they believe he's gone off the track. Like, Mujrim, what's this guy? Sah? Are they, is, it, is, it, is it like that in the Indian community? It seems like that. Huh? They seem as a Mujrim. Or the Sunnah of the Prophet sometimes was he used to plait his hair. Alayhi salatu he would plait it. Yeah, three plaits. One on top and two on the sides. Hey, can that happen in your community? I want the first, if a man in our community does that, they'll see him as a, a renegade. Yeah? So, the Prophet didn't do it to get closer to Allah by it. It's mubah. They can't, the people can't say it's haram for you and they can't make it haram. It's mubah. Like you can't do alawaj al-qurbati wa ta'a. I want to get closer to Allah by it because Nabi Muhammad did this. You can't. Brothers, I really want to finish the book. I really want to finish it. So I'll take the questions to the end. We need to finish quickly. It's a bit big today. Um, that which the Prophet did to get close, I will take your question. Hey, what's your question? Hey. So Abdullah ibn Umar used to do that. So that's why some scholars they argue that this is something that Ibn Umar was alone in. They said that Ibn Umar used to follow the Prophet so much so that if the Prophet used to walk somewhere, there was a time when the Prophet walked and the, when the Prophet came to that place, he put his head down because there was a log. Okay, and the Prophet went down and he went because there was a log. Between the two trees, there was a log. So the tree got cut and there was no log anymore. Abdullah ibn Umar, whenever he would go by there, he would go down. Even if there was nothing there. And so some, some of these things, Ibn Umar, Umar was very against, which is like for example, if the Prophet went and urinated somewhere, people all to go and to urinate there. And things like that, Umar used to destroy those places. Because these are not right. Are we all together? Anyways, we're going to now go to that which the Prophet did to get closer to Allah by it. These are his actions that he did to get closer to Allah by it. By the way, with, I need to mention this. Within the things that were naturally the Prophet's actions, there are things that we take as an exception. Ah, like eating with your right. We don't say, oh, this is only unique for the Prophet, the way he ate. La. There's texts that came where the messenger instructed the sahabas, Kul wa yalik. Now this becomes a, a speech that he said. So it goes under the awamir, the commandments. Sah? We're talking about mere actions that don't have speech with it. Or someone saying, yeah, the beard was the Arabs' cultures. You know, you know this is Arab culture. When you say, what about wafirul liha, urkhul liha? Are we all together? 
it's a person who hasn't even understood basic usul al-fiqh. To say that the actions of the Prophet don't show sunnah, we'll say, is this an action or is it a speech? Are we all together? It's a speech. Let your beards grow. Let this. Or the garment being above the ankles. The Prophet said, These are evidences now. They're not just Arab culture now. Are we all together? Okay, we go to the second type, which is Things that the Prophet did to get closer to Allah by it. There are two types. Things that were, un- things that were only for him. Only, he could only do it. No one else could do it. It's Things that are specific for him. And the scholars, they speak about that in books known as Things that are unique for him. Like marrying nine women. There are books that scholars have written called If you want to read on these issues, at the ending of the Kitab Al-Fusul Fi Sirat Al-Rasul by Ibn Kathir, he mentions some of the khasais, things that are unique for the Prophet Yeah, things like that that were unique for him. And only he could do. <laughs> you know the ayah where Allah says... How many women can a man marry? More maximum five, four, um, four, four. So there was four is the maximum, and the prophet can go on. So there was a man who came and he said, "Mathna, wathulatha, waruba." Do you guys get it? Mathna, which is two. Thulatha add three onto it, it becomes five. Waruba add four onto that, it becomes what? So he goes, you can marry nine women like that. Huh? You can what? You can marry nine like that, he said. That's incorrect. This is khasa isu. That which is only for the Prophet. No one else. Only he can do that. And the second one is La bihi. It's not for the Prophet alone. It's not. It's not only for the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Everyone can do it. And that's the one that the scholars bring the ayah for. Uswatun Hasana is the second type, which is that which is not specific to him. Okay. Um the Prophet's actions, the last one that I mentioned, which is that which is not specific for him. It's not specific to him. Everyone can do this one. It's not specific to him. What ruling does it take? Is it wajib for us to do that? The default position is wajib. Or is it recommended? Or it, we can't say which one is which. Those are the three views. Some of the scholars, they said, anything that the Prophet does, it's not specific to him. It's not alone for him. Then, the default position is that where we need to follow him unless there comes a delay that shows otherwise. And another group of scholars say, anything that the Prophet does, and that's not specific to him, the default position is that it's recommended for us to do unless there comes evidence that shows obligation. So they disputed one another. 
and the strongest opinion is every action that the Prophet did that's not specific to him that's not specific to him that everybody else can do and that he did والسلام, and he did it to get closer to Allah by it the people it's recommended for them to do it and it's not obligatory it's recommended it's what? it's recommended not obligatory I repeat anything that the Prophet did to get closer to Allah by it and it's not specific to him it's not specific to him. The default position is that it's recommended for everybody else to do it. Unless there shows an evidence that it's what? It's obligatory. Yeah? Huh? Ah, yeah, don't, without doubt. You will miss out. Some, 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 ujur, ajar are going to be missing. Yeah? And the author, rahimahullah, concludes with the last point in this chapter, which is a mas'ala known as al-iqrar. We spoke about the Prophet's speech. We spoke about the Prophet's actions right now. And now the author concludes with the third type of sunnah, which is what? Iqrar. The consent of the Prophet Something that was done in the Prophet's presence. What is the ruling regarding this? And the Prophet was silent. What can we say here? What we say is anything that was done in the Prophet's presence. And he was silent about it, meaning he didn't object to it. It is an approval. It's allowed. Are we all together? The scholars, they, then they differ amongst themselves. Does it have to be in the presence of the messenger? I mean, does he have to see it? Or, what about if he was at his time, but he wasn't there, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Can that also take the same ruling as it being done in his presence? Some of the scholars argue strongly and they say yes. Why not? Because Allah knows that they're doing this. And if there's haram, Allah will bring a delil for it and speak to the Prophet. That's what some scholars, they say. Are we all together? And one of the evidence for that is the man who prayed. And he bled while he was praying. The arrows were thrown at him. And he was in the salah. They threw an arrow at him and he was in the prayer. And he was told to guard the enemy. And he was, he was put as a patrol. And he prayed. He's prayed his Qiyamul Layl and as he was praying, the arrow hit him. He broke it. Carried on his salah. They threw another one. It went into him again. He snapped it and he carried on praying. And he's bleeding at the point he's praying. And then he felt if he carries on the prayer, he might die and the enemy might come to the Prophet and his companions and then kill them all. So then he went out of the prayer and he called on to the people. And he said, Wallahi, I was in a recitation. I was reciting Wallahi, I never wanted to cut it for anyone the way I was enjoying the recitation of the Quran. He, what happened to the man? He bled. He what? He bled. Is a salah sahih if you're bleeding? It's a mas'ala fiqhiyah, right? Some of the scholars, they said, yeah. Iqrar, the consent of the Prophet ﷺ. Some of the scholars, they said, there's no evidence that the Prophet ﷺ was aware of what this man did. We, the scholars, they come back and they say, but Allah was aware of it. And if there's something that the ummah can't do, Allah will clarify that when you're praying, do not. Be careful from the blood. These are the issues that it goes back to. These principles, brothers, it applies on contemporary issues that we have discussions with. Oh, yeah. وقيل معناه النقل من قولهم نسخت ما في هذا الكتاب أي نقلته وحده وهو الخطاب الدال على رفع الحكم على رفع الحكم الثابت بالخطاب المتقدم 
على وجه لولاه لكان ثابتا مع تراخه عنه ويجوز نسخ الرسم وبقاء الحكم ونسخ الحكم وبقاء الرسم ونسخ إلى بدل وإلى غير بدل وإلى ما هو أغلط وإلى ما هو أخف ويجوز نسخ الكتاب بالكتاب ونسخ السنة بالكتاب ونسخ السنة بالسنة ويجوز نسخ المتواتر بالمتواتر منهما ونسخ الآحد بالعهد وبالمتواتر ولا يجوز نسخ المتواتر بالعهد the author rahimahullah now goes into abrogation abrogation nasr brothers abrogation means allah makes a ruling on the people and then after that ruling gets uplifted and another ruling comes to remove that ruling the nasr brothers and sisters it only happens to rulings and not statements are we all together an nasr inma yaqa'u fil ahkam wala al akhbar the nasq happens to rulings and not statements. You can't say to a, a person, Brother, yesterday I was in Qusais. And then tomorrow you go, I abrogated it. I wasn't in Qusais. I was in Abu Dhabi. Is that correct? It's kedib. It's a lie. So the only thing that nasq can happen to is what? Ahkam. Brother, tomorrow... You have to bring with you um, this kitab. Next day you come, you don't, want, you don't have to bring it. That's permissible. That's called nasqul hukum. A ruling that was made upon you has now been lift, lifted. Okay? And evidence for that is, The battlefield and the believers when they were fighting, the first time the jihad was which way? Allah Ta'ala says, Allah says, 20 of you men have to fight with 200 of the disbelievers. How many each man? 10. So each man has to stand and hold his ground if 10 people come and he can't run. You're not allowed to run. They're not allowed to run. Two, ten men are around you and they put you in the middle. At the beginning of Islam, the Sahabas were told you can't run. And Allah says in another ayah, and Allah says, they were not allowed to run away from that, the meeting of the army. So imagine 10 men, you have to be, you can't live on KFC and Burger King and huh? you have to be well trained. And you have to have strong Iman, which is the first base that they had. 10 men. Then Allah Taala said to the companions, what did he say to them? He said, now Allah has made it easy for you. And Allah knows there's in you a bit of weakness. Ten men per person is a bit hard for you guys. Imagine us. Imagine us. Now, each man cannot, he's always, he has to hold down two people best. Are we all together? Two people. Two people come your way, that's it. So the ruling got changed. Sahih. 
the first ruling was hard, and then a soft ruling came. This is called Naskh abrogation. abrogation. And one of the greatest forms of Naskh is this ayah that I just mentioned to you guys. Like in the Naskh is of types, write this down. The abrogation is of types. It's of what? It's of types. It's three types. Naskh is three types. The first type is Aqsamu Naskh bi'atibari muta'allaqi. Muta'allaqi. Aqsamu Naskh bi'atibari muta'allaqi. Naskh in terms of what it is connected to. In terms of what it's connected to. And what's that? That's the first type, right? Abrogation in terms of what it's connected to. And that's two types. The first type is two types. The ruling is uplifted and the wording still remains. We'll still read the ayah where Allah says, even that the ruling has been lifted, the word still remains. We'll still have to read this word. Are we all together? The second type of the first type is The ruling is abrogated and the wording remains. Now the first one is the first one is ha. That's the first one. Sorry, sorry. The removing of the ruling and the wording remaining. The second one is the removal of the wording, but the ruling remaining. The wording has been lifted, and the wording is gone, but the ruling still remains. An example for that is um. The Rajm, the stoning. The stoning. There used to be an ayah in the Quran that used to say, Ashaykh wa shaykhatu ida zanaya farjumuhu mal nakala min Allah wallahu azizun hakim. I think that's, that's how it used to be. The ayah got lifted. The, I mean, the wording's not read anymore. It's nowhere in the Quran. Okay? But what remains? Mas'alatul Rajm still remains. The issue of stoning still remains as a hukum, as a ruling. Like in not in terms of re, in terms of recitation, no, we don't read it. There's no place in the Quran to read it. Okay, let's the second type now. The second type of abrogation. The second type of abrogation. The first type of abrogation was abrogation in terms of what it's connected to, and that was two types. We finished that one now. We're now moving on to the second one. The second one is aqsamun nasri bi'atibarin Abrogation in terms of what it's abrogated to. No, that doesn't exist. How are we going to know it exists, anyways? If the hukum goes and the rasm goes, how would that exist? The hukum is gone, the rasm is gone. Who would ever mention that? There's no hukum in this issue, and there's no rasm. Because in the last uh, 
I did mention it. Some of the scholars, they do say that there is exists. Like in this call, we're not, we're not gonna we're not gonna strengthen it now. We're not gonna strengthen it. The second type is Aqsamun Naskhi Bi'tibari Mansukh ilayhi. The abrogated in terms of what is abrogated to, and it's two types. It's two types. It's two types. Abrogated to something that will exchange it. Sah? Meaning, this gets abrogated, something else will replace it. And the second one is. Something that there will be no replacement for. The ruling will be uplifted, no replacement. It won't be replaced. Sah? There's no replacement? Uh-huh. And one, there is a replacement. The one that has a replacement is two types. It can either be replaced towards something harder. The ruling is made even harder than what it was before. Okay? And an example for that is وَعَلَى الَّذِينَ يُطِيقُونَهُ فِدِيَةٌ طَعَامُ مِسْكِينَ فَمَنْ تَطَوَّعَ خَيْرًا فَهُوَ خَيْرٌ لَهُ وَأَنْ تَصُومُوا خَيْرٌ لَكُمْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ This took away the ayah which is فَمَنْ شَهِدَ مِنْكُمُ الشَّهْرَ فَلْيَصُمْ Anyone who saw the month, let him fast. This ayah came and it made it wajib. So then the new ruling that came is harder than the old one. The old one is softer. So that's one that happens. And the other one is it, get, it gets replaced with an easier ruling. And the evidence of that one is the one I just gave you. Suratul Anfal Minkum And the next ruling that came was easier. And there's a third one, which is a third one which is equal to it. It can be replaced to a ruling that's equal to it. Equal to it. Like for example, the turning of Baytul Maqdis to Baytullah al-Haram. It's the same. It doesn't change anything. Even though, though it was softer on the heart of the Prophet ﷺ. But turning away from that direction to that direction, being abrogated. It's called The abrogation here is equal to what was previously there. And by the way, brothers, the reason why abrogation happens is to show you, first of all, Allah is fa'alu li yurid. Allah does whatever He wants. You can't question Allah and say, why do you do that? And sometimes it shows, sometimes, I mean, one of the benefits also is to show you how kind and generous Allah is subhanahu wa ta'ala in making things that were hard on us, making it easier for us. It's also a benefit that we take from it. Because the ones that have been made easier are more than those that which were made harder. Are we all together? And the third benefit that we take from the, the nasqh is that how the sharia observes us. Like the Quran and the sunnah it's not abstract. It doesn't have no understanding of the people it's talking to. 
Allah knows who is creation. And he knows what's fit for them. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Are we all together? So this sharia evolved through the Prophet's time, alayhi salatu wasalam. And it doesn't need to evolve today and changing and it doesn't need um, being tampered with today and people saying, yeah, it has to be changed like Christianity changed and it, it has to reform in the society of today. No, no, it doesn't need that. The Lord who, that brought it after Nabi Muhammad died is the one who knows the world and how it's going to evolve uh, to. Should we leave the questions to the end? Yeah? We leave the questions right to the end, inshallah. We're about to finish. إذا تعارض نتقان فلا يخل إما أن يكون عامين أو خاصين وحدهما عاما والآخر خاص أو كل واحد منهما عاما من وجه وخاص من وجه فإن كان عامين فإن أمكن الجمع بينهما فجمع وإن لم يمكن الجمع بينهما يتوقف فيهما وإن لم يعلم التاريخ فإن علم التاريخ ينسخ المتقدم بالمتأخر وكذا إن كان الخاصين وإن كان أحدهما عاما والآخر خاصا فيخصص العام بالخاص وإن كان أحدهما عام من وجه وخاص من وجه فيخصص العام عموم كل واحد منهما بخصوص الآخر. The author رحمه الله talks about evidences that contradict one another. Hey, can we? We did. What do you want? We need the third one. Ah, the third type of نسخ. Uh, the third type of nas that I mentioned is nas in terms of its in terms of the thing that's abrogating. Nas in terms of the thing that's abrogating. And that is It's two. The abrogator is either the Quran or it's the Sunnah. Those are the only two that can abrogate. Yeah? The abrogator is either the Quran or it's number two, it's the what? It's the Sunnah. And the Quran, which is the first one, it can abrogate the Quran and it can also abrogate the Sunnah. And the Sunnah can abrogate the sunnah only. Are we all together? The author, this is the view he pushed. We won't argue with it right now. We'll leave it for another time. Now. The brother then read, Shahab read, Faslu ta'arudi. Contradictions that seem to come from the Quran and the sunnah. How do we work it out? We, we have evidences that we seem to think that they are contradicting. At ta'arud. This chapter, by the way, the concept of ta'aruf, this is where the scholars come in. They interfere. The Quran and the Sunnah, when it comes to those people who think it's, it's contradicting one another, they have to know that the text is one of four situations. Write this down. One of four situations. Any contradiction that's mentioned for the Quran or the Sunnah is one of these four situations. Number one, two texts which are both general.
The second one is between two specific evidences. Both of these two evidences are specific, they're not general. So the first one is that they're both general. The second one is that they're both specific. The third one is a, a general evidence contradicting or seemingly contradicting a specific evidence. So we have one general evidence and the second one is specific. So there's a seemingly contradiction between, I'm a seeming contradiction between a general evidence and a specific evidence. And the fourth situation is Contradiction between a general evidence from one angle, but it's also specific, that same evidence is also specific from another angle. And it's contradicting what? Then a text which is specific and general from one perspective to the other. So we have one evidence that from one angle when we look at it, it's specific. One we look, angle we look at it from is general. This one is also specific and that we, and is also general. They're contradicting one another. What do we do here? The author, Allah, told us there's three ways to deal with it. Number one, al-jam'u. You bring them together. The second step is al-nasku, abrogation. And the third one is at-tawakuf, withhold. Simple as. The first one is al-ula al-jam'u. Try to bring them together. Try to bring them together. Are we all together? You couldn't bring them together. By the way, when we say you couldn't bring them together, it means you may not be able to do it, but somebody else might be able to do it. And then we, if, we don't, if we're not able to do the bringing them together, we go to abrogation. We'll say, we look at it, which one came first, and we'll say, this one abrogates this one. The third one is at-tawakuf, withhold. Just say, Allahu A'lam, I don't know how to work around here. I don't know. You, you use abrogation. You say, this abrogated this one. Okay, now we have an issue here. The first step was what? Al-jam'u. Because the qa'idah is I'malu al-dalilayni awla min I'malu al-dalilayni awla min ihmali ahadihima. The qa'idah is to implement both evidences takes precedence over choosing one over the other. That's the principle. I'malu al-dalilayni taking both evidence is first before you can even think of taking one and, and, and abandoning the other one. Sah? We, the poet Muhammad Abdullah ibn Hajj al-Shanqitiyu, he says in his thousand lines of poetry, he says, If you can bring them together, try your hardest to bring them together. Then go to abrogation. So abrogation is the second step. Guess what? We have two imams now. One imam is able to bring the evidences together and another one is saying, nope, abrogate this one from the other one. Of course, the one that's saying abrogation is first in timing. So let's say Imam Shafi'i resulted, Imam Malik, for example, he resulted to what? Abrogation. Because he couldn't bring them together, so he ran to abrogation. Then Shafi'i came and then Shafi'i said, I can bring them together. Who do we give precedence to? Imam Shafi'i. Are we all together? Because Malik resulted to Nasr. Shafi'i found a way of Jama'ah. And of course the Jama'ah. 
is not always bringing one evidence and breaking his neck and then forcing this evidence with the other one and it looks so artificial that's not what's being spoken about here there's a tariqah there's a way that it should be done are we all together? if the way that you brought these two evidences seem to be hard to be understood and it looks so wrong the ulama will mention this is not it's called takalluf lal jama' they call it what? takalluf and it's not jama' you're not bringing the two evidences together okay the second one is anaskhu and I give you an example of a jama'ah. Jama'ah. An example for jama'ah is the Prophet saw one man and he, sa- he said to him, um, I mean the Prophet said to him, one, one, in one narration, the Prophet said about touching a private part. The Prophet said, uh, that your private part is just a portion of you. It's nothing serious. Like, it's just like your, like your hand. Or it's like your arm. Just like that. And in another hadith, the Prophet said, Anyone who touches his private part, let him do wudu. Ah, it seems to be going against each other, apparently. How do we reconcile between the two? Al-Imam Malik was able to reconcile between it when other Imams were saying, abrogation, which one came first? This one. Which one was after? This one. Al-Imam Shafi'i easily reconciled between it. He said, if you touch your private part, it doesn't break your wudu unless you touch it with desires so the one that said the one that said that um, anyone who touches his private part breaks his wudu is based on desires and the other one is talking about what? when you don't do it with desires are we all together? we found a way to bring it to bring them two together are we all together? Nasr is not accepted at this particular point Abrogation is not, it's not accepted. It's not accepted. The third step is, is At-Tawakkuf. At-Tawakkuf means the person says, I don't know. It's good al-imsak an al-hukm al-ahadima ala al-akhari. I don't know. And this is the steps that it's, uh, it's done. That's how it's done. Hayyah. وَأَمَّا الْإِجْمَاعُ فَهُوَ اتِّفَاقُ عُلَمَاءِ الْعَصْرِ عَلَى حُكْمِ الْحَدَاثَةِ وَنَعْنِي بِالْعُلَمَاءِ الْفُقَهَاءِ وَنَعْنِي بِالْحَادِثَةِ الْحَادِثَةِ الشَّرْعِيَةِ وَإِجْمَاعُ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ حُجَّةٌ دُونَ غَيْرِهَا لِقَوْلِهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ لَا تَجْتَمِعُ أُمَّتِي عَلَى ضَلَالَةٍ وَالشَّرْعُ وَرَدَ بِعَصْمَةِ هَذِهِ الْأُمَّةِ وَالْإِجْمَاعُ حُجَّةٌ عَلَى الْعَصْرِ الثَّانِي وَفِي أَيِّ عَصْرٍ كَانَ لا يشترط انقراض العصر على الصحيح فإذا فإن قلنا انقراض العصر شرط يعتبر قول من ولد في حياتهم وتفقه وصار من أهل الاجتهاد ولهم أن يرجعوا عن ذلك الحكم والإجماع يصح بقولهم وبفعلهم وبقول البعض وفعل البعض وانتشار ذلك وسكوت الباقين عنه. The author رحمه الله goes to another issue known as الإجماع. إجماع consensus. Ijma' is one of the evidences in our religion. How many, how many evidences do we have? Four. Al-Kitab, Wal-Sunnah, Wal-Ijma' Wal-Qiyas Al-Sahih The reason why we say Qiyas Al-Sahih is because Iblis did Qiyas, right? Ana khayru minhu khalaqtani min narin wa khalaqtahu min teen The Qiyas of Iblis was batil. Huh? So what we say is Qiyas Al-Sahih If the Qiyas is done correctly, it's, it's a delil in our religion. Ijma' is what, brothers? Ijma is um, it is the agreement of the ulama of this ummah. 
in a matter related to the religion after the time of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Do you see how we how we mentioned that? So the ijma is the ijma of the ulama. No one takes into consideration the the, the, the general mass. Are we all together? The issue is not the general mass or the layman. The ulama. Ulama. They all agree on something. And the issue that they agree upon is an is a Islamic-related issue. So if the ummah all agree that, for instance, a white car is better than a black car, for instance, this is not considered an ijma' according to usuliyin. Because it's a worldly issue. Are we all together? It's a religious issue. It also has to be after the Prophet's time. Because ijma' at the time of the Prophet is not taken into consideration. The Prophet and the Quran is the only thing that's been taken. Are we all together? Also, it has to be in this ummah. It has to be all in this ummah. So the consensus that's taken from the Christians and the Jews, la, la, la. the ijma' has to be from this ijma' of this ummah, ummah Muhammad. Yani ummah al-ijabah. Okay. What's the evidence for ijma'? Is there even evidence to say that there is a consensus that the consensus is an evidence? Is there evidence for that? There is. Allah says in the Quran, وَمَنْ يُشَاقِقِ الرَّسُولَ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى وَيَتَّبِعَ وَيَتَّبِعَ غَيْرَ سَبِيلِ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ نُوَلِّهِ مَا تَوَلَّى وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمُ وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا وَنُسْلِهِ جَهَنَّمَ وَسَاءَتْ مَصِيرًا وَمَنْ يُشَاقِقَ الرَّسُولَ Anyone who diverts from the path of the Prophet مِنْ بَعْدِ مَا تَبَيَّنَ لَهُ الْهُدَى After clear-cut evidence comes to him وَيَتَّبِعَنِي follows a path other than the path of the believers That's the ijma' Other than the path of the other than the path of the believers. So that means other than the path of the believers here means the consensus of the ummah. Also Allah Ta'ala said in the Quran, Allah says we made you we made you guys the just people. We made you guys the middle path. Meaning we made you guys a proof against everyone else. The day of judgment, we're going to be proof against all nations. Nuh is going to come to us and he's going to ask us. And he's going to say, did I convey the message to my people? And we will say yes. How do we know that? The Quran told us. So we are witnesses for other religions. Of course, we have to be a cons- our, our agreement has to also be a proof. Also, the Prophet said, La ummati ala dalala. The messenger said, my ummah do not agree upon misguidance. The Prophet said that, alayhi salatu Then, ijma' is a, is, a, is a proof. It's a what? It's a proof. The ijma' is two types. Write this down. The ijma' is what? It's, um, it's two types. Ijma' is two types. Ijma' which is sarih, a direct consensus. And a direct consensus is when I ask you, what do you think? And you say, no, 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 no. Everyone says no. And I say, you know what? This is a consensus. It's clear everybody's on the same opinion. Are we all together? There's another type of ijma' which is called ijma' al-sukuti. I only ask one person and I say, brother, what do you think? And he goes, no. And I look at the rest of you guys and no one puts their hand up and he disagrees. That's also another consensus. Your consensus is by way of silence. Are we all together? The second type of consensus, which is ijma' sukuti, 
Meaning one companion will say something for instance And all of the other companions are silent about it When the Sahabas are really well known for If they see someone say something wrong They will correct him The fact that they went silent Means that they kind of agree with that And some scholars say no it doesn't mean that necessarily uh, How could that be the case They may not have heard it It may not have reached them There's a back and forth on this issue Especially the second type of ijma' Ijma' al-sukut Lakin If the ijma' al-sukuti Tatawul zaman happens Meaning The scholars They mention That the sahabas Once said this And the rest was silent And then the tabi'een transmitted And no one stood objecting And then the tabi'u tabi'een mentioned it And no one's still objecting And no one's objecting To this whole opinion It means that the ijma' al-sukuti Is a proof now are we all together? If this view is only mentioned as one view and no one's, no one's actually going against it, this Ijma'u Sukuti is a what? Is a proof. Okay? Now. وقول الواحد من الصحابة ليس بحجة على غيره على القول الجديد. Now the author goes into another evidence, which is the statement of a companion. Is it proof? قول الصحابي. We already know, brothers, Al-Kitab, Wal-Sunnah, Wal-Ijma' Wal-Qiyas, Wal-Sahih, they're evidences. But what about a Sahabi statement? The author, Rahimullah, here he goes into the Qawl of the Sahabi. Brothers, write this down. The Qawl of the Sahabi is one of two situations. One of two situations. That they all agree on something. And this, of course, becomes a what? A proof. Yeah. The brother asked a good question He said is the consensus Only restricted to the early generations The three noble generation Or can there be a consensus today as well What we say is the consensus is not closed It can happen until the day of judgment But To claim ijma' today is very hard Okay it's very It's very hard to say that the ummah today Unanimously agree upon this, this issue where it was easier at the first generation. How? Because they all lived in the same land. In Medina, a lot of them lived there. Little went outside it. Are we all together, brothers? So it's not that we're saying that there can't be consensus after the Sahabas and Tabi'in and Tabi'ul Tabi'in. There can be. But to claim it requires. It requires full the induction of knowing all of the people's opinions and whatnot. Huh? Plus nowadays, I'll be very honest with you, we don't have what we used to have once upon a time. Uh, what, what did we used to have back in the days? We had mujtahideen. We had ulama who reached the level of ijtihad. We're all together. An alim by himself is a mujtahid. Today we don't have that at all. There is no mujtahid mutlaq in the ummah today. We have what, Rakim? There is no individual today we know of, we know, who is a mujtahid mutlaq. So what did the ummah result to? The ummah resulted to lejanat and hayat. It's not an individual fatwa now. It's more of a what? Congregational fatwa. Are we all together? That's why you hear Hayat Kibar al Ulama, Legend Daima, Methalem, Sah? Rabbit to Alim Islami, Wahakada. Are we all together, brothers? 
We don't have one individual by himself. Like Shaykh Ulusam Taibiyah, for example, by himself is equal to the 30 members of Legend of Daima in Saudi Arabia. By himself. Are we all together? Is Darul Fatwa if he brought a fatwa out? Are we all together? There's no debate about that. Like right now, they sit amongst themselves. The Kibarul Ulama, 30 of them, they'll sit under a table and they will get the situation presented to them and it will be read to them and they'll read it and they'll research it and they'll go away for weeks and months and look into it before that fatwa comes out. Are we all together? And then within that, they argue amongst themselves how, yeah. I remember I read a, the life of Sheikh Abdul Aziz Nubaz. Are you all there? Ibn Baz. And they asked Ibn Baz how, because remember Ibn Baz was the mufti. And he did it, these fatawa that he used to make, or the fatawa that were made, he was in a, on a board. So the board is the legend of Daima. Legend of Daima was four, four or five men. One time it was four, one time it was five. And Ibn Baz was the Ra'is, he was the head of it. And the members were Abdullah ibn Qu'ud, Abdullah ibn Ghudayan, Bakr Abu Zayd, Sheikh Salah al-Fawzan, and the Na'ib. The person right after him was Abdul Razak al-Hafifi. Are we all together? So I remember reading the life of Sheikh ibn Baz, and how did you all agree on an opinion? La Shaka, huh? La Shaka is hard. Everybody can't see eye to eye in one mas'ala. Remember, when they bring the fatwa out, at the bottom it says, all of these people's view is this. And it won't come out unless they all agree on it. Am I, am I making sense? So Abdul Rizak al-Afifi was the one who was the na'ib, right under Ibn Baz. Are we all together? Are we all together? Abdul Aziz ibn Baz. And Abdul Rizak al-Afifi said, Whenever Sheikh, Sheikh Ibn Baz would bring a fatwa out, I would be the one who would hold on to my view if I held opposite to him. Listen to this. And I would say, no, Ibn Baz. And I would push my argument. And Ibn Baz would. And then what would happen is the view would be presented to the other members. Remember, Ibn Baz is the is a Rais and Abdul Rizak is right under him. He's the, he's the, he's the Naib, the vice. Now we're together. Yeah? He goes after me and him, go back and forth. The fatwa would be presented to the other remaining four, five, the four, five members that were there: Sheikh Fawzan, Bakr Abu Zaid, Abdullah Budayan, Qurud. They would look into the fatwa. Whatever the majority becomes, he said, both of us will take that opinion. So, if the remaining four took one opinion, for instance, me and Ibn Baz would have to choose the opinion of those four people. Would go to the view of the majority. one of the stories I read was the issue of the. Um, uh, uh, Saudi Arabia when the fatwa came from the uh, Mufti Sheikh Ibn Baz ta'ala on the issue of uh, the issue of the American troops coming into Saudi Arabia for instance the fatwa that, need to, that needed to be given the fatwa that was meant to be given Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin was called from Unayza Qasim and he was flying in who was flying in? Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin so Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin made his way he's on the flight, flight and he came a bit late and the fatwa was already given and he was meant to be part of the, because he was part of the Kibar Ulama. Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, he was part of the legend of Daima. And he got there and the fatwa was already given. And they passed the fatwa that the ulama looked at the issue, they revised the issue, they looked at the wada, the situation, and they came to the conclusion, ulama, not, they came to the ruling, Ibn Baz came to the ruling, that it is permissible, and he gave the talker, Sheikh Ibn Baz. Ibn Uthaymin came in, he asked, he said, what happened? They said, the verdict has been passed. He said one question, imagine this. He goes, what is the view of Ibn Baz? Remember, 
they sometimes just collective opinion, they'll put it in. Are we all together? Even if they'll take the view of the Jumhur and they'll make that the fatwa. And everybody will write their name. So Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin wanted to know Ibn Baz's opinion from all of the people. And they said to him, he believes the permissibility. And Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin said, add my name to the list of the names of Sheikh Ibn Baz. I'm with him. So then, Ana al Jawaz. And they said, but you haven't even looked at the issue and you haven't revised it and you didn't look at the whole fatwa and how you missed the, the majlis and the gathering of the niqash. And he said, I don't suspect Sheikh Ibn Baz. His religion, his tadayun. And today you have people open their tongues to these ulama and belittle them and say what they want about them. Sheikh Ibn Baz did, and then Sheikh Ibn Uthamis added, added his um, name on the list without having to be there when the Naqash was done. So that was that, inshallah ta'ala. So, how do we go to that topic? Hmm? Ah, the Ummah. How do we go to the topic? Yeah? The Ijma'ah, how can Ijma'ah be affirmed today? It's hard to say that there's an Ijma'ah in it, which is very little, it's hard. It's very hard. But what we can say nowadays is, Organizations like Hayat Kibarul Ulama, Legend Daima, what do you call it? Um, all of these places, they, they do Istarul Fatwa. You can read those. They bring it out yearly, you look at them, and then you can say the view of the overwhelming majority of ulama in the world is this. They hold this opinion. You can, but to say Ijma' is very hard. Anyways, the goal of a Sahabi is not a proof. It's only a proof when they all unanimously agree on something. Okay? They all unanimously what? Agree on something. As for if they differ amongst themselves, if they differ amongst themselves, Ibn Abbas's goal is not a proof against Abu Hurairah. And Abu Hurairah's view is not a proof against Ibn Abbas. One man's not a proof against the other one radiyallahu anhum ajma'in so whoever's view that you strengthen from the two companions you'd have to bring evidence for them they need evidence walidhalika the qa'ida is kalamul ulama'i yuhtajju laha wala yuhtajju biha the statements of the scholars is not a proof in and within itself they need an evidence for their statements so the sahabi is the same they are not um Here's a question now. Here's an uh, important question. The Sahabas amongst themselves differed on a mas'ala. Let's say this, okay? Sahabas, they differed upon the mas'ala and they have two views. And they died. The Sahabas passed away. The Tabi'een came. The Tabi'een came. And from the two opinions, the Tabi'een unanimously agreed on one of those opinions. So there was a Khilaf and then an Ijma' came. Which one do we take? The Ijma' or the Khilaf? Do you guys get the point? We have an ijma'ah. Sorry, we have a khilaf. Two opinions amongst the sahabas. There are two views. The tabi'een when they came, they also eye to eye that one of the opinions were right and the other opinion is strange. They said it's wrong. And they all unanimously agreed upon one of those opinions. So we have a khilaf and then an ijma'ah. Are we forced to follow the ijma'ah that just came about? 
or do we still say that there's a, this is a mas'ala min masail al-ikhtilaf? Do you get the question, by the way? Is the question, is the question clear? Yeah. No, it's a mas'ala ijtihadiyya. Once it becomes khilaf amongst the sahabas, it's ijtihadi. How should this text be understood? The sahabas differed two views. A group said yes, and a group said no. The tabi'een came and they all took the view that said no. They all saw that this one was clear. They all saw the view, this is clear, and then there's no reason to take this opinion. Methalan, methalan. This is a long ongoing argument amongst the Usuliyin. Will the view die because of the people who said it died? Did you get it? Will the view die because of those who said it died? That's the question here. Am I making sense? Why do I feel like I'm not? I am, huh? So we'll leave that for another book because it's not this book. It's not this book. This author didn't mention it, so we're not going to mention it. It's not in our book. Should we leave the questions to the end, brothers? We're just about to finish, and I've got half an hour to finish this book because tomorrow we have to start Jumia. Hey, tafadl. وأما الأخبار فالخبر ما يدخله الصدق والكذب والخبر ينقسم إلى قسمين عهد ومتواتر فالمتواتر ما يوجب العلم وهو أن يروي جماعة لا يقع التواطؤ على الكذب من مثلهم إلا أن ينتهي إلى المخبر عنه ويكون في الأصل عن مشاهدة أو سماع لا عن الاجتهاد والعاهد هو الذي يجيب العمل ولا يجيب العلم ينقسم إلى مرسل ومسند فالمسند ما اتصل إسناده والمرسل ما لم يتصل إسناده فإن كان من مراسيل غير الصحابة فليس بحجة إلا مراسيل سعيد بن مسيب فإنها فتشت فوجدت مسانيد عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم والعن أنا تدخل تدخل على الأسانيد وإذا قرأ الشيخ يجوز للراوي أن يقول حدثني أو أخبرني وإن قرأ هو على الشيخ فيقول أخبرني ولا يقول حدثني وإن أجازه الشيخ من غير رواية فيقول أجازني أو أخبرني إجازة. The author here now goes into a قضيه and a مسألة that doesn't really have a place in أصول الفقه. It's got nothing to do with أصول الفقه. We already studied this. Where did we study this? Yeah, نخبة الفكر. So should we go over it again? No. We're just going to go to the قياس now. We spoke about the issue of mutawatir, multitude narration. We spoke about ahad and the types of ahad there were. We spoke about what mursal is. So the usuliyin, they have these terms as well. They use it with the muhadithin. Lakin, don't take it from the usuliyin and then use it for the muhadithin. Because you're mixing two sciences together. Are we all together? Because the usuliyin, they accept the marasil as hujjah. But this is not their field. We don't take this from them. What is a proof and what isn't a proof? What we take from the usuliyin is how do we extract the ruling from the evidence? We don't ask them what is a proof. Another science deals with that. Huh? There's another science that deals with that. And this is where you find a lot of people have fallen short in the science of hadith because they adopted it from the books of usul. They adopted it from the books of usul. And so then you find them saying shad is not weak, mursal is not weak, and then you're accepting all hadith. And they don't go back to the ilmul ilal and the de hidden defects of hadith. And no' tasahul had occurred in that regard. Naam. Wa ammal qiyasu fahuwa raddul far'i ilal asli bi'illatin tajma'uha 
تجمعها في الحكم وهو ينقسم إلى ثلاثة أقسام إلى قياس علة وقياس دلالة وقياس شبه فقياس العلة ما كانت العلة في موجبة للحكم وقياس الدلالة هو الاستدلال بأحد النظرين على الآخر وهو أن تكون العلة دالة على الحكم لا ولا تكون موجبة للحكم وقياس الشبه هي هو الفرع المتردد بين الأصلين فيلحق بأكثرهما شبه ولا يصار إليه مع إمكان ما قبله ومن شرط الفرع أن يكون مناسبا للأصل ومن شرط الأصل أن يكون ثابتا بدليل متفق عليه بين الخصمين ومن شرط العلة أن تطرد في معلولاتها ولا تنتقد لفظا ولا معنى ومن شرط الحكم أن يكون مثل العلة في النفي والإثبات والعلة هي الجالبات للحكم والحكم هو المجلوب للعلة The author رحمه الله now goes into قياس which is the last and final evidence. The last and final evidence, which is Qiyas. Qiyas, brothers, write this down. It stands on four pillars. Arkanul Qiyasi Arba'atun. The pillars of Al-Qiyas is four. The first one is Al-Fara'. Al-Fara'. Fara'a is sub-branch. Al-Fara' is a sub-branch. Okay? Al-Asl. Al-Asl, which is the foundation. The third one, which is Al-Hukum, which is the ruling. The third one is Al-Hukum, the ruling. And the fourth one is Al-Illa, the reasoning. The fourth one is Al-Illa, reasoning. The reason. Let's look at all four of this. Al-Fara' is a sub-branch. What do we mean by sub-branch? It is the... Let me give you an example and you'll understand it. We have Khamar that Allah and His Messenger spoke about. Khamar is the Asal. I need this issue. Put Khamar here for me. That's the Asal. I then have drugs. I'm going to ask myself, the first question is, what is, this, what is the ruling for alcohol? So you say, hukum. Hukmul khamar is haram. So the hukum of khamar is haram. Okay, good. The second question I ask myself is, why is khamar haram for? Which is the illa, the reasoning. The reasoning here is iskar, intoxication. Good. Then I go back to the fara'ah. This is the asal. The khamar is the asal. It's, the real, it's my base. It's the one I have the evidence for. It's the one Allah and His Messenger stated. So I, this is my asal. My fara is the drugs that Allah and His Messenger did not speak about. This is powder. And Allah and His Messenger spoke about a liquid. So I take the drugs and I say, drugs. What do you have in you? Intoxication. Okay. Your illa and your illa are both the same. The reasoning in this one that was made haram is also in you. So the hukum has to be the same. Does that make sense now? Those are the four pillars. It's called qiyas. Scholars do that. We all together. Huh? Yeah, drugs, drugs, methamphetamine. 
And there's many other things that you can do that for. Are you there? Many other things that you can do that for. That's Qiyas. Okay, what is that called? It is called Al-Qiyas. Hey, next. وَأَمَّا الْحَظْرُ وَالْإِبَاحَ فَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولْ إِنَّ الْأَشْيَاءَ عَلَى الْحَظْرِ إِلَّا مَا أَبَاحَتْهُ الشَّرِيعَةُ فَإِنْ لَمْ يُوجَدْ فِي الشَّرِيعَةِ مَا يَدُلُّ عَلَى الْإِبَاحَةِ يَتَمَسَّكْ بِالْأَصْلِ وَهُوَ الْحَظْرُ وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَنْ يَقُولْ بِضِدِّهِ وَهُوَ أَنَّ الْأَصْلَ فِي الْأَشْيَاءِ أَنَّهَا عَلَى الْإِبَاحَةِ إِلَّا مَا حَظَرَهُ الشَّرْعُ Okay That which is prohibited and that which is allowed He went back to that Some people they say some of the scholars they say everything is haram until that which the sharia made permissible and if we don't find an evidence from the sharia that says it's permissible then it's haram some scholars they say the opposite and some scholars are of the opinion that everything is allowed until there comes an evidence that prohibits it. And that's the strongest opinion, which is any worldly issue is that it's permissible until proven otherwise. Whereas ibadat, it's prohibited until proven otherwise. The ibadah, because it's connected to what Allah loves and is pleased with, there's no way to know that until there's a textual evidence for it. As for the worldly issues, are we all together? As for the worldly issues, then it's permissible until proven otherwise. You can do what type of business transaction you want in the way that you want it until there's an evidence that says it's haram. Are we all together? The asal is al-ibaha. The asal is permissibility. You can marry any woman that you want. The asal is permissibility until there comes an evidence that says, no, this one you can't. You can eat whatever food you like. The asal is permissibility until proven otherwise are we all together you can wear whatever clothing you like until there is a evidence that prohibits you from it the reason is because that which is permissible is too much than that which is prohibited so you just need to know what is haram and what is halal is other than that you see because Allah wa ta'ala he permitted for us and created for us and he made for us subhanahu wa ta'ala um, for us to enjoy everything that's what Allah said in the Quran. Allah created for you everything on this earth. Enjoy it. You just have to learn what isn't allowed and what is allowed. And that's limited. You just have to study chapters of fiqh and you'll learn it. Principles. You see? Naam. We spoke about istishab. Istishab is biqa' ma kana ala ma kan. It's the concept of, it's the concept of uh, default position. For example, um, the asal is water is pure until proven otherwise. The asal is that people are innocent until proven otherwise. The asal is every slaughtered animal is permissible for you to eat until proven otherwise. The asal is every transaction and every buying and selling is permissible until proven otherwise. So this concept of al-istishab, it's a delil as well. That some scholars, they say, it's min al-adillati al-mukhtalafi fihi. It's one of the evidences that are disputed. 
But it falls under al yaqinu la yazulu bishak. We spoke about that before in the book Al-Qawaid Al-Fiqiyah. So that we don't have to go over that too much. Naam. The author, Allah, now talks about Tartibul Adilla, the sequence that we put the evidences in. Like how do we, how do we put out the evidences? Who, which one is the strongest, and then a bit lower, and then lower and lower? And this is important because, especially when they seem to contradict one another, you need to know the tartibul adilla, the order in which the evidences are, so you can bring them together. So you can bring them, you can bring them together. It helps you a lot. The first of them he mentioned is, uh, it's four, four le- five levels. How many levels? Five levels. The first one is for yuqaddamul jaliyu minha ala al khafi. Who can, get, who can read for us the first one in English? That's number one. Yeah, the obvious takes precedence over the obscure. That's number one. Number two is She's knowledge over certain Yeah, the one that gives us certainty takes precedence over that which gives us speculation. And the third one is qiyas. The said one takes precedence over the analogy meaning the stated one takes precedence over the analogy and the fourth one is the analogy that's apparent takes precedence over the analogy which is hidden and the fifth one is the fifth one is which is the default position the default position all of that is written for you in the English translation if you read it now we're going to go into the last part of the book, inshallah ta'ala, which is the conditions of the mufti. Who wants to do fatwa? And who can do fatwa? This is the final part. And who's a blind follower? Who's a muqallid? And whatnot. Even though this is a big chapter, we're just going to go over it fast, inshallah ta'ala. Naam. ومن شرط المفتي أن يكون عالما بالفقه أصلا وفاعا خلافا ومذهبا وأن يكون كامل الآلة في الاجتهاد عارفا بما يحتاج إليه في الاستنبات في استنبات الأحكام من النحو واللغة ومعرفة الرجال بتفسير الآيات الواردة في الأحكام وأخبار الواردة فيها ومن شرط المستفتي أن يكون من أهل التقليد فيقلد المفتي في الفتوى وليس للعالم أن يقلد والتقليد قبول قول القائل بلا حجة فعلى هذا القبول قول النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يسمى تقليدا ومنهم من قال التقليد قبول قول القائل وأنت لا تدري من أين قاله فإن قلنا إن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم كان يقول بالقياس فيجوز أن يسمى قبول قوله تقليدا وأما الاجتهاد فهو بذل الوسع في البلوغ الغرب فالمجتهد إن كان كمال كامل الآلة في الاجتهاد فإن اجتهد في الفروع فأصاب فله أجران وإن اجتهد في من اجتهد فيها وأخطأ فله أجر واحد ومنهم من قال كل مجتهد في الفروع مصيب ولا يجوز أن يقول كل مجتهد في الأصول الكلام كلامية مصيب لأن ذلك يؤدي إلى تصويب أهل الضلال من النصارى والمجوس والكفار والملحدين بدليل من قال ليس كل مجتهد في الفروع مصيب قوله من اجتهد وأصاب فله أجران ومن اجتهد وأخطأ فله أجر واحد وجه الدليل أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خطأ المجتهد تاره وصوبه أخرى The author الله, he's went into the last chapter which is معرفة المفتي والمستفتي والاجتهاد والتقليد Four things 
Four things he's talking about here. The first one is Al-Mufti, the one who's giving the fatwa. Wal-Mustafti, the one who's asking the fatwa. The Mujtahid, the scholar who's doing Ijtihad, who's doing the independent reasoning. And last but not least, the blind follower, the Muqallid. That's what the author Rahimullah is talking about. Who is a Mufti? What, what does a Mufti mean? We hear, we hear that name, right? Mufti so-and-so. Mufti Abdurrahman. Would, would that look good with my name if I call myself Mufti Abdurrahman? Yeah? <laughs> Mufti Abdurrahman doesn't mean that you graduate from a particular school. And when you finish that particular school and they give you a qualification, certificate, be, beginning of your name, you write yourself Mufti. That is not what it is. Mufti, hear what it means and how big it is and how scary it is for someone to be called a Mufti. Mufti is al-mukhbiru an hukmin shar'i. It's a person who is signing on behalf of Allah. He's a person who's doing a signature on behalf of Allah. That's why Ibn al-Qayyim called his kitab I'lam al-muwakki'in al-rabbi al-alamin. He called it a book which is volumes. You are speaking on behalf of Allah. You're saying Allah wants this ruling. Allah said this. Allah meant this. That's what a mufti's job is. Are we all together? Some of the salaf, when they would be asked some questions, they would swear. Their, their voice would be very heavy. They, they would shiver because they knew what they were getting themselves into. Are we all together? It was a big thing for them. Some people, they give fatwa on issues low... Some people they give fatwas on issues that if Umar was alive, he would say to Ahl Badr, come together, we need to do fatwa on this issue. Umar would have consulted Ahl Badr. And you find Uwayr come and give fatwa on these issues. Speak about them. Halal, haram, la yajuz, 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 halal, 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 halal. You listen to his fatwas. The first portion of his fatwa and the second portion of his fatwa contradicting one another. Like not everyone can see that. You can only see if he studied usul al-fiqh. The mufti is the person who speaks on behalf of Allah Azza wa Jalla. The mufti, to be a mufti, to be considered a mufti, the author, this is, by the way, this is one of the basic books on usul al-fiqh. And he conditioned two things. Let's see if this condition is found in a lot of muftis. The first one is, The first condition is, he has to be a alim in fiqh. How is he going to be an alim in fiqh? Four things. He has to be alim in fiqh. How many? In, in what way? Four things in fiqh, he has to know it. What does he have to know? He has to know, number one, the usul al-fiqh. He has to master usul al-fiqh. Two, he has to master fiqh. Ajeeb. Three, he has to know the khilaf, the difference of opinion in issues. And the fourth one, he has to know the ijma', what they, they agree upon. Because he doesn't want to do ijtihad on an issue which there's already an ijma'. He doesn't want to look into it. He can't. He's not allowed to look into it. There's already an ijma'. Are you with me, brothers? The second condition is what? The second condition is This man has to have the instrumental knowledge. 
What are the instrumental knowledge? Yeah? Yeah? The instrumental knowledge, ulumul ala, that he said he needs to know is, listen to this, annahu, grammar. Walugha, he has to know the Arabic language. What's the, what's the lugha? Twelve sciences he means in the lugha. Sarf. Ilmul bayan. Ilmul badi'. Ilmul ma'ani. Al-urud. Al-qawafi. Sarf. Yeah? Ilmul khutaba. Twelve sciences. That's just Arabic by itself. And then nahu, he's saliqi. He's good in Arabic grammar. Hey, ma'rifatul rijal. He has to know the narrators. Jarhan wa ta'deelan. When we mentioned in Nukhbatul Fikr, the narrator, when he was born, when he died, which city he went to, the villages, the towns, this, who he met, who he took from. Ma'rifatul rijal. Wa tafsir al-ayati al-wariidati fil ahkam. He has to know the Quran. Hafid of the Quran. Then he also needs to memorize the tafsir of the Quran. And he has to know the sunnah that explains those ayat. He has to know all of that. That person is now a mufti. He can give fatwa. has a right to. That's a very high level position, yes. By the way, the word mufti, the word mufti, and the word mujtahid are the same. Are we all together, brothers? Because the Mufti is the one who does Ijtihad. Are we all together? So the Mufti and the Mujtahid are the same. That's the problem we have. Those are the conditions that he mentioned. There's a second type of people which are called Muqallid, a blind follower. Blind follower, he's, he just goes to the ulama and he says, Sheikh so-and-so, what's the ruling in this issue? Jazakallah khair, barakallah fiqh, and he goes. Ah, I said all of the ayat So he needs to know Ayatul Ahkam and Hadithul Ahkam Some of the scholars they say He has to memorize the whole Quran Some scholars they said No, 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 not all the Quran He has to memorize all of the ayat the Ayatul Ahkam All of the ayat that have rulings in it He has to know all of that from the memory And he also needs to memorize what? A Hadithul Ahkam At least Bulughul Maram He has to have it At least Bulughul Maram 1,500 Hadith all he needs to memorize. And also, all of the ayatul hakam he has to have it from memory. So if somebody asks him about talaq, he knows the ayat. If somebody asks him about ahkam al-wudu, he knows the ayat. Yay. Yeah, sah. He's not a storyteller, a joker. This, is, this man, he's reached level, a high level of what? A great level of knowledge, ilm. It's daqiq, it's daqiq, brothers. It's daqiq. Now the author, Rahimullah, goes into another group of people who are known as the Muqallidin. The Muqallid is a blind follower. Muqallid is qabooli qawli al-ghayri bila dalilin. Ama bila hujjatin. You go to a shaykh, you say, shaykh, what's the ruling in this issue? And he says to you, haram. And you say, jazakallah khairan, shaykh, barakallah fiqh. And you leave. You don't know what his evidences are because you wouldn't even understand. Are we all together? No problem. Because Allah said to you, fas'aloo ahla dhikri in kutum la ta'alamun. If you don't know, ask the people of knowledge. And you did that. Are we all together? The person that you're going to take it from, like in, has to have two qualities that you're asking that question to. That's the only responsibility upon you, which is what? A person who's got knowledge. And a person who has what? Taqwa, iman. He's got iman and taqwa. Those two qualities. By the way, how would I know? I'm miskin. How do I know who's got knowledge? You see all of the ummah running after this man. You see all of the ummah praising this man. 
the person can see from those qara'in that this person is knowledgeable. Wow, everyone is going to him, huh? Ajeeb. Also from his wara is his religion, his tadayyul, his deen. He can see from the person who's got iman and taqwa in him. That person is a what? It's an alim, you go to him. Whatever he tells you, right or wrong, you have no sin. It's upon him. He's going to be questioned, Imam Allah Ta'ala. You, you've done your part. Allah commanded you to go to the scholar and ask. Lakin, this is another problem, brothers, by the way. A lot of problems that people come from. You went and you asked a shaykh. And he gave you a fatwa. And you walked away. And you saw another student of knowledge who's listening to the fatwa of this alim and the fatwa of that alim. And he's saying this one's stronger than this one because he has the ability to do that. And you're like, no, brother, brother, stop, stop, stop. I blindfollowed so-and-so. You need to blindfollow so-and-so with me. This is another mistake. The blind following is only for you, not for other people. Are we all together? The blind following, it's, as Imam Shafi'i said, it's like, and this is, you have to understand this, blind following is like eating a dead corpse because you couldn't find something to eat. It's a necessity. Blind following is not a praiseworthy thing. That's why this person should not be pleased with being a blind follower. You don't remain as a blind follower. You go up and you work towards becoming a mujtahid. And we all together, brothers. But of course, in a, a period of your life, you're just going to be on that level because you're growing and you move out of it. So the muqallid, the blind follower, cannot impose what he heard from the shaykh onto other people who are not muqallidin. Are we all together? He can't. He just has to blind follow and hope that inshallah ta'ala he is saved and the person has religion last point last but not least the author rahimahullah talked about an issue which is if the scholar makes a mistake the mujtahid is he always rewarded yes the mujtahid is always rewarded but he's rewarded either one or two but he's not always right he's only right in one situation when he gets it right but the other situation if he gets it wrong he gets one reward and inshallah ta'ala because of his effort and his hard work and his striving are we all together but to think that everybody who strives got it right Allahumma barik he strove and he strove and you both got it right no no it doesn't exist the prophet said if the mujtahid does ijtihad فَأَصَابَ and he gets it right فَلَهُ أَجْرَانِ he gets two rewards and if he strives and he exerts the effort and the hard work and he gets it wrong one reward what's that one reward for? his efforts and his hard work okay his effort and his hard work that's what the author rahimahullah concluded with and that's the ending of the book and anything i might have said that was wrong or incorrect is from me and shaitan and allah and his messenger are free from it subhanakallahumma bihamdik ashadu an la ilaha illallah astaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk tomorrow we have the kitab al-ajurramiyah ama al-ajrumiyah tomorrow we're going to be doing that book inshallah which is a grammar book inshallah ta'ala ajrumiyah so inshallah ta'ala come with your copies of Ajrumiya or Ajurramiya inshallah ta'ala um, questions hey? should we take questions five minutes hey,
No, no, that's, that's not a, Ibn Taymiyyah. Look, for, for, uh, issue that ijma' on worldly issues is not considered ijma' aslan. To call it ijma' is wrong. Number two is, number two is, the issue of the world being flat. I mean, the world being round, both opinions are right. To say that the world is round or the world is flat, they don't contradict one another. The world is flat because it's too big. And anything that's very big, as Sheikh Ibn Ubaid said, Ibn Ubaid said, flatness will always occur and it also can be round. So there's no contradiction between the two views of whoever says it. There would only be a contradiction when one says it's only flat and it's not round at all, then there's a contradiction here. And secondly is that the scholars who said that it's flat or round, they are looking at the Quran. They are looking at the what? The Quran. So they're not looking at it as a worldly issue. They're looking at it as a hukum shara'i, meaning it's mentioned in the Quran in the tafsir of an ayah. Yeah? Mutlaq means unrestricted. Yeah? Rafiqa barakallah. Abdul Samad asked a very good question. Here it says, Alaykum is sunnati upon you is my sunnah and the sunni of the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafa. Some scholars they said, Whoa, does it mean that the Prophet has a sunnah and the Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and Ali have another sunnah? Is that what it means? Is there two sunnahs that we need to follow? The scholars they said, What it means here is the sunnah of the Prophet, وسلم, part of it abrogated, true or false? And if the four Khulafa Rashidin implement it, then this is a sunnah I died upon. So follow that sunnah. Does that make sense? Meaning if Abu Bakr and Umar and Uthman and these people are doing it, it is akhiru ma fa'altu. It's one of the last things that I did. Meaning it was my last situation, not that which was abrogated. Are we, am I making sense here? Do we need to follow the sunnah of the Sahabas? This is what the hadith shows. حديث عرباض بن سارية عليكم بسنتي وسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين عضوا عليها بالنواجد وإياكم ومحدثات الأمور فإن كل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وفي سنة النساء وكل ضلالة في النار This hadith shows that we need to follow the sahabas حجية اتباع الصحابة عموما Are we all together? That we need to follow the companions generally How do we follow the companions? If they have four views that we follow them in not creating a fifth view we follow them that will only accept these four views and that will only strengthen one of those four views. And if they all agree on an issue, we'll only take their agreement. Are we all together? That's our, the way we follow it. So if they agree, we follow all of what they said. And if they differ amongst themselves and they have opinions, we will not increase on that views. We'll stick to the views that were present at their time. فقط. And within that, we'll strengthen which one is right. If we have the ability. And if we don't, then we take one of those opinions and we live by that. Yeah. No, it's all, all. Of course it is. It's aqidah and fiqh and everything. This one here right now is talking about the whole entire religion. So, alaykum bisunnati wa sunnatul khulafa al-rashidin means follow whichever of those Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman and Ali in an issue that they say we will take one of them is going to get it right or they're all going to get it right mm, the whole entire religion they came with 
Nah, not only not only i'tiqad. Remember, by the way, you have to understand, brothers, it's not only i'tiqad, it's the whole entire religion. The sunnah here the Prophet is talking about is the whole religion. Hold on to it. Don't let anything go. You know, the, I want you to understand this, brothers. At the time of the Prophet, the companions never ever said to the Prophet, the Prophet says to them, do this. And they say, Ya Rasulullah, is it wajib? Do we have to do it? They never said that. They saw everything the Prophet told them to do to be part of the religion, and they did it. It's after that the scholars started to say, this is not obligatory, and this is recommended. Like in Ashabu Rasulullah, they did everything from the religion, and they, kept, they believed that to be part of the deen. Are we all together? Well, the word sunnah in this hadith, Ibn Rajab al-Hanbali, he made it general. Of course, the first thing he's referring to is aqidah, la shak, that's the first thing. But it's not only restricted to aqidah, it's also fiqh. A person can't come today and say, for instance, I'm going to leave the salah. Salah is a fiqh issue. It's a fiqh issue. You're not going to study that in aqidah. A person can't come and say, I'm not going to pray the salah. You know what? It's a fiqh issue. Um, no. It's an issue which is fundamental in our religion. Dhuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, Fajr. These prayers are fundamental in our religion. Leaving it is what? According to the strongest view is that it can take you out of the fold of Islam. Claiming the last mujtahid means it's hard to say that. Like in Suyuti claimed the last mujtahid. He said, I'm the last. There's no one after me. He said, it won't be. <laughs> and at his time, Jalaluddin al-Suyuti, one of the biggest pains and suffering that he had was, he claimed ijtihad mutlaq. He said, I'm not just a mujtahid, by the way. He said, I'm an unrestricted mujtahid. In the whole entire religion, any madhab I can do ijtihad on it. Suyuti said that. And the people of his time, they believed the door of ijtihad was locked. That's what the argument was. And so Suyuti said, I'm willing to argue with anybody on this issue. If anybody wants to debate me about whether I'm a mujtahid or not, I'm willing to debate with them. But he said that the person who's going to debate me with me on this issue can't be a blind follower. Because a blind follower's view is not a proof. Because he's blind following someone else. I want a person who's not a blind follower. And so then, he, listen to what he got to. And then he said, if that person is not a blind follower, they themselves is a, they themselves are a mujtahid. So then they can't debate with me because they've accepted that ijtihad is open. <laughs> Do you get it? So in other words, debate couldn't happen with him as well. But he claimed ijtihad, and to be very honest with you, Jalaluddin al-Suyuti, the conditions I mentioned today, 99.9% .9 of them he had them. He was an alim in all of the fields. Hadith, all of it. Even though he was, he was far from the mu'taqad of Ahl sunnah Far from the mu'taqad of Ahl sunnah Like in that knowledge he possessed in in hadith and in fiqh, and like he's got books in all of the sciences of the religion. All of them. Well, Sheikh Ibn Uthaymin, he holds the opinion that Sheikh Suyuti was the last mujtahid. And I've seen some scholars who said, that if there would have been a mujtahid in this ummah, uh, recent times, in our recent times, if there would have been a mujtahid, it would have been Muhammad al-Amin al-Shanqiti. Who? But we, what we can say is, some scholars were mujtahideen in particular fields, like Sheikh al-Albani was a mujtahid in hadith. Like, you say, he's a mujtahid in hadith. Like, there was no one that could do ijtihad in hadith like him. Like an unrestricted ijtihad in the whole entire religion. That's very tough, man. It's a big, 
It's a big thing, inshallah. And I hope that doesn't destroy people's aspiration because it's achievable. But it's... Uh, very tough. It's very tough. Wallahu a'la wa'alam wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad.